Say by the way, can you play jingle bells? No, no. I mean jingle bells. You know, deck them halls and all that stuff. No, no. You don't get it at all. I mean jingle bells. You know, Santa Claus and ho 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 and mistletoe and presents to pretty girls. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, one and all. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the IPC Podcast. My name is Zach, and if you're listening live on Channel 1138, apologies. I was originally broadcasting over on our friend's channel at the Fandom Cantina, because that's where R.I.P.C. is hosted, and that was the last thing I actually produced. So, it's been a fun one, and I just totally set things off on a really good note. But uh, we're here, and we're excited to be here, and we're excited for what we've got to talk about tonight. But I'm definitely not going to be able to talk about it alone. It's officially the holiday season, as far as I'm concerned. We've celebrated American Thanksgiving. The next two holidays are coming up over the course of the next month. And we're going to be breaking it all down for you with a special guest as well. Well, let's bring in the other voice of IPC. You know him, you love him. It's Mr. Benjamin Hart. How's it going, guys? Yes, I know. We promised you that we'd be talking more Harry Potter tonight, specifically Fantastic Beasts 2. But um, someone, me, hasn't seen the movie yet, so uh, we're pushing it back a little bit. And uh, we figured, heck, why not? We're getting into the holiday season. Well, well, this is a perfect time for a holiday special. And uh, hopefully it's better than some of the holiday specials you've seen in the past or heard. Um, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Well, I mean, it's it's not exactly the highest bar to, to cross. I'll put it True. that way. True. But, yeah, I mean, here, here's, here's the deal. Things happen. Schedules happen. And we are going to discuss... The Crimes of Grindelwald. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen a little bit later. Just keep your pants on. We've got a really fun episode for you tonight. Or if you're just in your room alone and you want to get comfortable, then go ahead and take your pants off. I don't care. But uh, Yeah, I'm not sure where, why all of a sudden people are just taking their pants off for no reason. Um, okay. Yeah, like, like that phrase, keep your pants on. It's like when somebody gets stressed out or frustrated, their first instinct is to just like, pull off their clothes and I'm like like you have some really weird like um visuals of our listeners like they're not talking about Harry Potter pants off <laughs> I am angry pants off you're not you're not talking about the crimes of Grindelwald tonight that's it I'm losing my underwear <laughs> just tearing and pants off <laughs> 
Oh, man, we've got really fun imaginations. Oh. Okay, I probably shouldn't have had that angry orchard with dinner. Just putting that out there. But. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rainy one tonight in DFW, believe it or not. We haven't had rain for almost the entire month. And uh, it just decided to start raining right outside right about now. So if we get a couple of thunderclaps during the broadcast, uh, just be prepared for that. Ben, I don't know what the weather's out like by you, but maybe we should get a weather update from our friends in Pennsylvania. That's right. Joining us for our holiday special is one of our good friends and one of our IPC patrons from JMNJR Radio. It's Mr. Joey Mays. Good evening, guys. Thanks for having me back on. I'm super stoked for this episode, as I believe once you started the uh, patron program and you were accepting top five requests, I believe this was my number one from the beginning. So uh, I'm definitely excited and ready to get going. Nice. Well, we're we're glad to have you, and we're actually kind of glad that we just have the opportunity to do a holiday special at all. You know, most of the time... Around late November, early December, we're kind of getting ready for a certain movie to release. At least it's been that way for like the last three years. But, you know, now that it's December, we really don't have much to look forward to. I know that sounds like a detriment to the other movies that are releasing this December, but compared to Mary Poppins Returns and Aquaman, I'm just not as hyped for those as I would be for a Star Wars movie. Yeah, no offense to... uh, to, uh good old Mary Poppins, but she ain't no Star Wars. Now, if we had Mary Poppins in Star Wars, the way we had Mary Poppins in Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe I'd be a little more interested. Maybe so. Also, there's a theory going around that Mary Poppins is a Time Lord. What do you guys think of that? I I subscribe to it. I can see it. Makes sense to me. I mean, her bag pretty much has TARDIS technology, wouldn't you say? Bigger, yeah. on the, bigger on the inside. I never thought about it like that. Uh, see, there's also... Also... <laughs> are you going where I am where I think you're going? No, I think you're going a different direction. You okay. go ahead. Which direction are you going? I was just going to mention... I was just going to mention that uh, Mary Poppins, the OG Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews, is in Aquaman. <laughs> oh. You can believe it. Interesting. She has a secret voice role. Oh, role okay, right okay, okay, okay. Voice, a voice role. I heard that she actually turned down a opportunity to return to Mary Poppins Returns and play another role in the movie. Just let her play Mary Poppins. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. She's, she's just not... Ever since she had that vocal surgery, she really hasn't done a whole lot of singing since then. Which is kind of kind of sad, but also makes it kind of special when she does sing during like the Thanksgiving Day and New Year's Day parades. It gets very nostalgic for us. But um, no, I was going off of TARDIS technology because there's also a fan theory that Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus is a Time Lord. That's a definite. I know one hundred percent. I'm 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 on board with that. It just makes my childhood that much better, you know. She's got she's got oh. a companion in Liz that goes around with her everywhere. She's got interesting fashion choices, and her bus is definitely way way bigger on the inside. Sometimes it turns into a freaking spaceship. <laughs> just just saying, it's just all connected. Saying. Yeah, well, okay, not gonna go there. <laughs> we got plenty of other things to talk about tonight. Uh, what we're gonna be doing is this is a holiday special, but we're gonna be alternating some different news topics as well because there is some breaking news that's come out recently that we wanted to talk about with you. Um, 
First one being the biggest one that came out just yesterday, November the 29th. Uh, the official announcement was made that Daredevil is not being renewed for a fourth season. Season 3, which came out in October, is it for the Daredevil series. And I'm a, I, I would venture to say that it's the nail in the coffin on Marvel Netflix originals in general. They've, they've officially canceled all the good shows. I mean, all we've got left is The, the Punisher, which is getting a season two. It's finished. And we're just waiting for the announcement that Jessica Jones isn't returning. So far, they haven't made that announcement. But if Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Daredevil are all gone, then we're going to be showing the door to the rest of the series, I would venture to say. Yeah, this is this is more than just ratings. I think a lot of people try to rationalize Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And maybe so. Maybe the ratings were down for that. Maybe ratings are down for Daredevil. But I don't think so. I think there's obviously something going on here. And even if it's not going to Disney+, Plus, there's other options for Disney. And I think Disney wants to probably cut ties with Netflix. And Dis Netflix may not want to be with Disney anymore. And, you know, I think that just seems like... Thing. And they're, they're promising that we're getting more Daredevil stories, adventures as they call them, somewhere down the line. Where that is, I don't know. My, my, my suggestion is... Just freaking put him in the movies. Just give him a movie. Like, officially put him in the MCU. Like, seriously. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's what I'm hoping for. And this is coming from someone who has not seen a single second of any of these shows. Not because I don't want to. I just haven't had the time. It's always been put on the back burner. And I don't want to dive into one. I want to start at the beginning with... Uh, you know, f from where it started with Daredevil and then go, kind of go in the progression uh, via the release dates. But I haven't gotten to start them now. At least I know they won't keep adding up as they keep canceling them left and right. And like like you guys have already said, odds are that they're all going to be shown the door once the uh, the current runs are done. And this is all I would expect it to be build up to the, the Disney Plus launch like their Marvel uh, Disney and Netflix, they just, they're not on the same page anymore. Their, their relationship is soured because of, uh, Disney diving into their, uh, their territory. And it was kind of be, to be expected. It, it was a little bit of a shock, but when you think about it, it's not all that surprising. Well, yeah, I mean, Disney pretty much created their own competitive brand to, to fight for viewership from Netflix. So for Netflix to be salty is kind of understandable. And given the the way the nature of the business is, I have a feeling that it's not really going to be like released from its contract or anything like that because, you know, Netflix is going to retain those streaming rights as long as they possibly can. And so the idea that they're going to transition immediately over to Disney Plus is kind of nearsighted. And also, like you said, Ben, it's it's just not something that Disney Plus is geared toward. It's not really oriented towards adult viewership anyway. The most mature content we're probably going to get is going to be something along the lines of maybe The Mandalorian, and that's it. So it, it's just, it doesn't seem very likely that something rated TVMA is going to make it onto the, uh, the Disney Plus streaming service. So the most logical place they could end up would be in the comics, which, you know, they're going to continue those adventures somehow, or in the movie. Charlie Cox is a great daredevil, in my opinion. And, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's way better than Ben Affleck. I'll put it that way. 
<laughs> it's not a, not a very high bar, but whatever. So anyway, Charlie Cox, he's a fantastic daredevil in my opinion. And uh, obviously I've, I've expressed my feelings about Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin before. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to rehash old topics. I would love to see the kingpin as an antagonist against Spider-Man. That's who he is an antagonist to in the comics. I think if you could get Daredevil to team up with Spider-Man defending New York from the Kingpin, I think that would make for a heck of a movie and a great transition out for the characters because they kind of left things rather ambiguous to a certain degree. So give some closure to the stories and give us a really cool MCU movie at the same time. I think it's a win-win. I I think, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Well, no, sorry. Did you say Jake? I said Jay. Oh, okay. I started to say Joey, but then it just said Jay. Jay. Let him let him talk. Okay, B. Well, I, I was going to take it a, in a different direction. I was going to ask if I could quick throw a plug in there because that was a perfect segue to um, talk about um, Zach's new endeavor because he talked about Kingpin just uh, this morning uh, on com- Commusing. Oh, you're very kind, sir. You're you're very kind. Oh, yes, so I, de- I, definitely check that out. I, I did start up an, a new program. It's on my uh, Twitter page if you want to follow me there, at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. Uh, for right now, I'm calling it Commusings with Zach's. It's just musings that I'm having while on my commute. When the news broke last night, I was driving home, and I decided I would talk about that and a couple of other things. Basically, I'm going to be talking about breaking news, giving hot takes that maybe you wouldn't hear on IPC, and taking listener questions. So if you have anything, anything at all that you want to ask me, send it in. I'm going to create like a question bank that I can pull from. And the show will probably never be more than 15 to 25 minutes in length. That's about how long my commutes usually are. And uh, it'll just go uploaded to my SoundCloud and you can have a listen to it. If you're on your commute going somewhere, have a listen to my commusings. Thank you, Joey. I appreciate that. Cool. Yep, cool. yep, yep. So uh, we've we've got that knocked out of the way. Uh, we've got some other stuff that we're going to talk about later on in the show, but let's go ahead and start getting into the holiday spirit. Let's jingle those bells and deck those halls. Uh, this was actually a, a, a an idea that, that Joey sent to us uh, a couple of days ago, so I'm going I'm to let him uh, lead this off, actually. Um, you, you asked us if we were going to distinguish these top five lists, because tonight it's basically just a whole bunch of roundtable top fives of different things related to holidays. And I started with things like traditions and memories and things like that. And then we kind of narrowed it down to like things that you can view or listen to. And you asked us to distinguish television specials from the movies, like feature length holiday films, which I think is very fair because there's a lot of great classic specials and some TV specials out there that you probably just need to designate your own list for. So um, we'll just kind of go around the horn giving our number fives, then our number fours, kind of like we do with other top five episodes. But um, we didn't ask for any from our listeners this week. However, we're going to have a part two holiday special on the other side of Crimes of Grindelwald where we will be asking you for top five things and we'll be reading them on the air. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Tonight, it's kind of a kind of a us night, if you will. So. Joey, what is your what, what's going to kick off your list? What's your number five favorite holiday TV special, my friend? 
All right. My number five is an interesting one. It's a pretty old one, um, though not the oldest on the list. It came out um, over 30 years ago, and I think it might be one that flies under the radar for a few people, but this one has been in my life as long as I can remember, and that is The Christmas Toy. And uh, that special came out on December 6th, uh, 1986, um, and it features a variety of Muppet-like characters. It does have um, uh, the Jim Henson studio hands all over it. Um, the original version actually contained an introduction um, with Kermit the Frog and was sponsored by Kraft Foods. And, I mean, if, if any of you have seen it, have any of you seen The Christmas Toy? I don't believe I so. I have not. Okay, I actually mentioned this to you guys in tweets um, after one of your episodes in the last year because it might have been during the Pixar episode talking about uh, Toy Story because it seems that if you watch this holiday special from the 80s that Toy Story is basically a retelling of the Christmas toy just not focused around Christmas. It's all about toys that are conscious when the humans are not around and it just revolves around the Christmas holiday. It's all about a a toy that was a new toy last Christmas, and now with Christmas coming around again, he's getting jealous of the new toys that are coming, and he wants to make sure that he is the gift that the child unwraps once again so that he remains the favorite for every Christmas that comes around. Uh, it, you know, there's a kind of like a subplot of if you get caught out of the room or seen by humans, you get frozen forever, basically toy death. If you look at it, it's kind of grim that way. But um, in the end, all is well, and any toys that have been frozen um, become animated again at the end. And uh, it's just a feel-good Christmas story. It's it's fun to watch. I enjoyed it as a child. Uh, Almost everything on my list here is all about uh, nostalgia and traditions, and this was one that I definitely couldn't leave off. It's one that I watched uh, year-round. It's something that didn't have to be a Christmas time for me to want to watch this when I was a kid growing up. And this is one that I'm not sure I'd say it has aged well, but I still enjoy it whenever uh, whenever we uh, do pop it on for the kids. Joey, I just did a quick Google search, and it does have Jim Henson's fingerprints all over it. And it's got a very Toy Story vibe to it, just from what I can tell. Um, and, you know, that, that mentioned they talk about nostalgia and, and watching year-round those are some of the most fun ones to watch, in my opinion, because it keeps you in the holiday spirit year-round, too. It's not like you only have to be late November through December to be in the holiday spirit. You watch that, all of a sudden you start getting ready for Christmas season all over again. Absolutely. And that's uh, it's a big part of all, all the aspects of my list, whether it's the TV specials, the movies, the songs. There's just uh, something about them that, uh, you know, I, I don't mind watching them throughout the year. But when it comes to this time of year, they definitely need to be playing at some point. I hear you, man. I hear you. My parents, they, my family, really, they've just got a big collection of different specials. And that's where a lot of my list comes from is just watching it with the family. I don't have a whole lot of them on my own, per se. I've started buying a few of them over the last couple of years, but, you know, in the midst of all of those different movies that I've got in my library, I still need to add some holiday films to my collection. I've got a couple of them, but not all the ones that I want, so it's a process. It's definitely a process, but it's definitely fun to have them on, like, on in the background when you're working, or to have them on just to, to sit down and be with the family. It just, it continues to kindle that spirit so ben what is your number five tv special on your list okay my number five has to be a charlie brown christmas 
It's a classic. I I guess that does qualify as a TV special because oh yeah, that, absolutely. I'm qualifying. Oh, definitely. It. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Yeah, no. That and one of the classics, one, definitely one of the classics. Got a chance to watch it just the other day, actually. And uh, yeah, it's 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 just great. And it's 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 just I I love the whole. Like I understand, like it's you know it's a religious message. Maybe if you're not religious, it doesn't resonate with you. But like for me, I think uh, Charlie Brown. It's it's just this funny little wonky thing with Charlie Brown, but also comes down to you know about uh, having having a good message in the end. And uh, I really like that. I mean, it's very heartfelt, and it's 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 a classic, obviously. And uh, I'll I'll give you guys a, a little little tease here it's actually on my list as well so yes i would definitely oh. i would i would definitely call it uh a, a tv special classic i mean abc plays it pretty much every year i believe so if uh yeah ever since they got the rights to it uh which was like 15 16 some years ago because mm. i think it was on CB- cbs initially cbs used to be the yeah. king of those specials they used to do them back to back to back like over the course of like an entire week and you could like watch Rudolph one day, and then the next day you'd be watching Frosty, and then the next day Charlie Brown. They had everything on CBS for the longest time. <laughs> Anyways, to my number five, then um, I don't see this on TV quite as much anymore. Maybe I'm just not looking at the right channels. Maybe I just don't watch enough live TV to recognize when it's on. But uh, my number five is uh, something that actually got rebooted recently, but I still prefer the original. I still consider it the best out of everything that's been made, although the uh, the live action version is pretty funny. But for me, uh, in my top five of TV specials would be the animated version of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Very, very nice classic. I mean, just there's nothing better to me than hearing Thurl Ravenscroft singing "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch." I listen to that voice and I think, how? Just, just how? And it's it's just quite a, a classic adventure. It's it's fun. It's whimsical. You get annoyed at the people the same way that the Grinch does. I'm listening to them singing these different songs, and I'm like, can you please stop? But then he gets into the spirit of things as well at the end of the movie. And it just kind of helps you get into the spirit of things at the same time. So it's, it's a great, it's a great story. I love it. Yeah. Love it. You're going to have to play with your mic a lot. If you want to get your voice that low to th- to sing that song. I, I mean, okay. So <laughs> fun fact, I actually did toy with my voice a little bit, doing some voiceover work for my friend, Sean Giroux over at the Phantom Cantina he did a uh, fan film with a whole bunch of friends of his up in Canada surrounding the uh, Halloween franchise, like with, uh. the, with the shape and all that. And he asked me to be the VO narrator to kick off the fan film. And so I did a couple of different versions in a couple of different styles, and then I popped open Audacity and decided to work on the levels with one of them. And apparently he just fell in love with that one. Because he has not stopped talking about it since he heard it. <laughs> like, almost every time he introduces me, he's like, it's the guy who does the voiceover work for our Halloween fan film and kicks it off on such a high, perfect note. It's Zach Arnold. And I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> he, he <laughs> That's flatter, awesome. He, he flatters the heck out of me, but I can't wait to like watch the whole thing in its entirety because obviously it's a collaborative project, and I can't wait to see what other contributions everybody else made. So 
Yeah, I would definitely have to practice that. Did you guys know, though, to, to steer the conversation away from me and back to Thurl Ravenscroft, did you know that he actually played a very small part in the Disney animated original Jungle Book film? Really? Really? Do you guys remember Sher Khan the tiger? Oh, yeah. Okay, at the very end of the movie, the vultures are singing that song, That's What Friends Are For, and Sher Khan decides that he's going to interrupt the song in order to steer the conversation back to him. So he does that, that loud, That's what friends... Yeah, see, I can't even do it. <laughs> but, I gotcha. But that that little solo, that loud little solo by Sher Khan, was sung by Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah, it says he was that's... part of Colonel Hathi's crew. He was part of the crew. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. The, is is it the colonel? Is that the elephant? That's the elephant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So yeah. He, so he, he's, was, he's... he was probably part of that marching line that was like singing during the during the colonel's procession. But then, if you listen to, like, the Disney soundtrack, like, the, the best of Disney soundtracks or whatever, when you listen to the That's What Friends Are For, Thurl Ravenscroft has a credit in the song. Okay. Yeah. Well, looking at his filmography here, he did a ton for Disney animation that I never knew until this moment, so. <laughs> kind of kind of an under, underrated genius, if you will, but uh, his, his work with How the Grinch Stole Christmas is one that still resonates with me even to this day. It's one that I need to add to my collection. I've got the Charlie Brown Christmas on DVD, but I need to get How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes. All righty, on to number four. Mr. Mays, what's on your number four? Number four will be easy for me and for us because it's already been mentioned, and it is one that is confirmed to be on all of our lists because my number four is A Charlie Brown Christmas. There we go. There we <laughs> so, go. yeah, it's amazing to me that it's uh, it was released in 1965. 65? Yeah, December 9th, 1965, and it was actually thrown together – kind of in terms of animation and production at the last minute only having like i think it was six months to get it together and it was actually commissioned and sponsored by coca-cola which i did not know until i was doing some research on it today i I just thought it was something that the peanuts comic strip was so popular and they'd already done some animation that you know holiday special kind of seems like a normal thing to do but apparently this was all stormed up by the Coca-Cola company, and it's become one of the most beloved Christmas specials out there. Uh, so, you know, it has that going for it. And who can who can forget the Vince Guaraldi music, not just uh, for uh, the Christmas special, but for all the, uh, the Peanuts animated stuff. It's such oh. a great, great uh, musical uh, soundtrack Dude. and renditions. Dude, those piano solos, I still listen to them. That, that's like one that really gets me in the mood when I'm listening to Christmas tunes on the radio. You hear just the da 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 like instantly, just snap of the fingers, my mood changes. It just yeah. it's so bright <laughs> and peppy. It is one of those things that you would put maybe like in the background of a of a of a Christmas party or something that you're hosting for your company or your family or whatever. You just keep that playing on loop in the background and it just gets everybody in what uh, what I would borrow from our friend Jeff White, it puts you in a jolly mood. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that Linus yeah. and Lucy theme is so iconic, but uh, the Christmas time is here kind of 
puts mm-hmm. this one over the, over the top because that's just such a great uh, p- part of the uh, the special as well. And this one's kind of jumped up a little bit on my list just because um, as my daughters have gotten older, they started to really like these holiday peanut specials. So every year we start with uh, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, move on to uh, the Thanksgiving one, and then we end up here with a Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, one of the local uh, churches here does a light show every year as a kind of an outreach platform. And this year the theme is Snoopy and Charlie Brown Christmas, and that actually kicks off tomorrow night. So I'm looking forward to taking them to see that. Uh, that sounds like fun, man. That sounds like a it. lot of fun. Oh, so much nostalgia in such a little bit of time. Ben, are you going to continue us down this uh, down this nostalgia trip? Sure thing. I'm, I think I'm going for a pretty deep cut with this Uh-oh. one. Um, this one is the only Christmas episode. Now, we've talked about Christmas specials. I may be going out on a limb here, but I'm going to mention a specific Christmas episode of a specific show. This is the only Christmas episode, to my knowledge, and to Wikipedia's knowledge, that exists for the show. It's titled The Christmas Story, and it's from aired December 19th, 1960, on CBS as part of the Andy Griffith Show. Oh, nice. Oh, man. And I think if you if you're thinking, if you you probably Everyone should know this one. You know, you know the basic premise, Andy Griffith show. Um, if you remember this one, it's Ben Weaver is not happy as usual, but and then he puts a family in jail, and then they he puts the guy in jail, and then they bring the family in there. And the whole episode is them trying to get one over on Ben Weaver, and then you know he's trying to act grumpy, but ultimately you find out in the end that he he's just an old softy who wants wants to celebrate Christmas too. Dude, the Andy Griffith show is like one of those shows that I watched growing up, because uh, we we had a lot of those uh, those channels that were like sub channels of the regular channels that played, you know, classics continuously, and Andy Griffith was one of those classics. Being homeschooled, I got to create my own schedule. I actually built my schedule around shows like Mr. Ed, Andy Griffith Show, and Little House on the Prairie. Oh, wow. <laughs> I made sure to have my lunch break around that time in order to be able to, to watch them. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed being able to go back through the entire series because it started as a black and white series. And then by the time Andy Griffith con- conclu- concluded, they were colorized. So it it's it's groundbreaking as far as, as TV shows go. And, yeah, they, they may have, like had a Christmas tree up in the background or something a couple of times, but like that one is probably the only one that's like dedicated to the Christmas season. You're right. That's a, that's a great find, man. And uh, may not be the last time we hear about a Christmas related episode of something in our lists, but, uh, but for me, what's yours? Yeah. uh, Mine is actually, I don't know if you can call this claymation, but it looks like claymation to or stop motion at least maybe, um, but most of the time when you think of those, you're thinking of maybe Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy Rudolph, but it's not my favorite out of those types of movies. You can get them in like a bundle that's like 
Rudolph, Frosty, Frosty Returns, the Little Drummer Boy, Cricket on the Hearth. They like come in a bundle package at Costco. Nowadays. Yeah, it's like original Christmas classics or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually one of those, but it's not any of the ones that I listed. This one actually has Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney, and Keenan Wynn in it. And it uh, it makes references to some of those other specials, but it also tells its own really sweet story. And that story is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Nice. nice. I really enjoy that one. I think it's got some great musical numbers in it, particularly, you know, the, the title song, obviously. They, they sing the whole thing in its entirety at the very end of the picture. And they've got this other one that's called Put uh, One Foot in Front of the Other. And I I vividly remember certain points in my life where that was literally all I could do was just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like when I was a maybe like a senior in high school or a freshman in college, I went through a breakup and it was pretty hard. And I was like going through some mild depression, trying to work my way through figuring out how do I move on? How do I get to the next thing? And around that holiday season, we put on Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and that song, just put one foot in front of the other, it actually carried me through that. So it's uh, nice. it's got it's got some nostalgia for multiple reasons for me, but I just think it's a good story. It's got good music, good characters. It's, it's one that I watch year in and year out. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, those uh, Rankin and Bass ones, I don't have any on my list, but they were all right outside. They were all under consideration. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town for sure, and I really like the year without a Santa Claus. I, I love uh, Heat Miser, uh, you know, and, and his brother. Those are those are great uh, Christmas specials for sure. They're so much fun. They they really are so much fun to 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 watch because they're no longer than maybe like forty forty five minutes, but. They tell a really good story in that amount of time. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're on to uh, to number three, are we? Yeah. Yeah, right. I think so. Yeah, Joey, Joey, what you got for Joey, us? what you got? All right, I have another one that is uh, filled with famous characters, although I'm not sure this special itself ha- has a lot of acclaim or is maybe well-known. But again, you know, it's all about nostalgia and childhood when it comes to these things. And actually, on Monday, this special is celebrating its 40th anniversary. It came out on December 3rd, 1978 on PBS, and that is Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I never, I don't remember much of uh, watching Sesame Street. Uh, my, my children have been in and out of it, but never were diehards about it. But this one always, um, you know, stuck with me, especially when the holidays would approach. And I know there's just something about it that I that I've always really enjoyed. Uh, and the main theme to it, if you guys haven't ever uh, seen it, is uh, that Big Bird, he becomes concerned about Santa Claus's ability to deliver presents to everyone due to time and other types of restrictions, uh, such as uh, chimneys and homes without them, things like that. And that's kind of the main storyline that goes throughout the hour-long special. Uh, but they also kind of interject with the other famous Sesame Street characters, uh, and a couple of them are I always find r- really funny. Um, one of the segments has um, Grover asking kids about their thoughts on Santa's abilities, and there's just this one girl that can't be more than like two years old, and she just gets so excited and animated talking about Santa, and it has me cracking up laughing every time I see it. Uh, and then another is Cookie Monster 
continually trying to get his list to Santa, but every time he's doing it, he ends up eating whatever he's using to convey the message because he always starts talking about cookies. And I realize these things aren't hilarious that I'm describing, but if you ever see the special, I, I, I think you guys would like it. So, uh, yeah, so Christmas Eve on Sesame Street is my number three. Love it. Dude, you're coming up with some stuff that I, I consider myself a, a Christmas connoisseur, and some of these I haven't even heard of, let alone seen. Like, I, I grew up on Sesame Street, like, probably 95% of other kids my age, but I, I don't recall, like, ever, like, ever seeing them replay it or anything like that. So unless they did, like, a re-air, I had, yeah. I, I had no knowledge that this even existed. That's crazy. No, that's why this one I knew was definitely like I, I've I've seen people talk about the Christmas toy my number five before. I'm not sure that's ever been re-aired. I, I had to track down you know VHS or actually I had a copy that was taped off a of TV and then I eventually found it on uh, VHS and DVD. But Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, I don't know if it's ever replayed. And I took me a long time to find it on DVD to add to the collection, but I, I do have it. I haven't found it available anywhere on digital. But, uh, you know, I have the DVD and, you know, at least once a year I pop it in and, you know, we watch it and, and enjoy it. It's, it's funny because my girls are so used to seeing Elmo everywhere, but Elmo didn't exist in 1978. He was not part of Sesame Street at that time. So that, w- that, was, that was tough for them to swallow, not seeing Elmo. I was like, you're going to have to settle for uh, Big Bird and, and uh, Cookie Monster, uh, you know, and, and those characters. But it's got the, uh, you know, that kind of... Uh, famous cast of characters, the the human characters that just got kind of let go unceremoniously in the last few years. Mm-hmm. They're all very, very, very young in this, you know, being 40 years ago, but it's really cool to see their interactions. You're talking inter- like Gordon and Maria and oh, all them? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Dude, I miss oh, those boy. guys. They were like friends to me growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really disappointing to see them kind of get pushed to the side. Ugh. Um but if you you know if you haven't seen this, I definitely recommend finding it. I'm sure you probably find the DVD on Amazon for like ten bucks or something like that. It's it's worthwhile to watch just for that uh, nostalgia trip. That's great. Yeah, who needs drugs when you can get tripped on nostalgia, right? Exactly. Oh man, Ben, what's your number three? My number three is not a deep cut at all. I I would be willing to bet it's at least on one of y'all's lists, if not both of your lists, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I, uh, this one is, goes way back for me. And it's what, it's what, just one of those, just one of those that you watch every year. It's, it's definitely on my family's list. And, uh, it's just, I, and it's, it's amazing how, you know, it's a fun little thing, but it's also like, you know, like the story of Rudolph and all that kind of stuff, the whole mythology there, like, you know, like it's kind of, kind of relevant still. You know, the whole thing about you know, bullying and being different and accepting who you are, and you know, you know, this whole, you know, with what's going on with Rudolph, it's very, you know, you can still take those uh, little little hidden, not not really hidden, but you know. Those moral messages to heart still today, even though it's probably probably fifty or sixty years old by now. I, uh, yeah. I don't know off the top of my head, but I would imagine so. Yeah, actually, I do. I have it here in my notes because I considered it. Where where, where is it here? Uh, December sixth, nineteen sixty four. Wow! So fifty four years. Man, that's quick math. 
<laughs> hey, I like to bring some things to the table, so. Uh, you you bring plenty, man, and it's always it's always appreciated. You know, Ben, I, Rudolph was probably like if I had to come up with an honorable mention, that's probably where I put it. Was is is, is just barely on the outside looking in because the story isn't quite as relatable to me. It's a cute story, but it definitely resonates with my brother. He watches it several times every Christmas season, and it's really funny because he his his justification system is is rather weird. Um, my brother has special needs, and so his logic is kind of out there at times. He'll watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer three or four times a week during the Christmas season. But if we invite him to come watch, let's say, um, a Star Wars episode that isn't The Phantom Menace. Pretty much The Phantom Menace <laughs> is the only one he's ever seen on repeat before. Uh, if we ask him to come watch any other Star Wars movie, let's just say Revenge of the Sith, for example... His his de- his way of declining will be saying no thanks I've already seen that. <laughs> so I'm sitting here going wait a second you'll watch you'll watch the Battle for Helm's Deep on Lord of the Rings the two towers uh, endlessly on loop for a week you'll make us watch Lion King every night for a month but when we ask you to watch Revenge of the Sith you say no thanks I've already seen that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, ah! But but I think the reason he watches it so much is because he relates to the misfit characters. The ones who don't really feel yeah. like they belong, that they don't have a place in society. And then they turn out being the heroes at the end. I think on some level it gives him hope that he can turn out to be the hero of his story in the end. That's great. So, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely... It definitely does have some resonance with our family. If it doesn't have it for me personally, it's definitely one that we do watch on a regular basis. So it's a good choice. It's a good choice. Yeah, f- for sure. Like I said, oh, those, those Rankin and Bass specials from the 60s and 70s, those are all in consideration because they're all so – yeah, those are the classic, like the, like that DVD set that we talked about. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is a great one, and I think one of the an underrated one is the one that I came after it. Um, it was called I think Rudolph Shiny New Year or something like that. I always really enjoyed that one because it was about New Year. You don't get too many New Year's uh, holiday shows, and that, and that one took a, a Christmas a character and moved them on to the uh, holiday from a week later. Well, I mean, they've got to continue their adventures somehow, right? Exactly. They, they've got to they've got to continue doing stuff outside of Christmas. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, shoot, I had one other thought that I wanted to, to put out there, but oh, I remember what it was. So, if you think about it, these Rankin and Bass stories are essentially the first origin stories. Because yeah. you're taking a, a classic Christmas song like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and you're taking the elements from the song and putting them into a story format. You're, you're giving a visualization to what you hear in the song. And then not only does it give you like more information about the character, but it also makes you think of the TV special whenever you hear the Burl Ives version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Like yeah. the way that they tied everything together back in the 60s and 70s was really clever because now we can't not think of those kinds of things. So just something to think about. But uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 time. It's time for my number three, unless unless I'm mistaken. 
No, you're uh, up. No, no, go ahead. So, I, I know for a fact Joey's going to appreciate this one, and I know for a fact that a lot of our loyal listeners are going to appreciate this one because I'm making a reference to what is quite simply my favorite TV show of all time. I'm going to take a page out of Ben's book and do a, a holiday-themed episode from a TV show, and that would be Season 7, Episode 10 of the TV show Friends. The one with the holiday armadillo. Yeah. Oh, no. Make sure you check your uh, Facebook messages there, uh, Zach. I think I uh, think I knew where you were going with that one. <laughs> oh, Joey, my friend, you know me all too well. It is time to learn about Hanukkah. Oh, man. That's one of the things that I love about that show was it was so diverse and inclusive, even though it was six white people on the show. It was still able to to find ways to talk about other beliefs and other points of view and other perspectives, the hardships of life, uh, being able to to handle tackling the holidays with your kids, even if you're separated. Like for those of you who don't watch the show, which by the way you should, um, Ross, one of the characters, has custody of his kid for the holidays, and he is part Jewish, so he wants to teach his son about Hanukkah. But his son really only knows Santa Claus. And so Ross runs out to the costume shop to try and make his kid happy and tries to find a a Santa costume, but can't. The closest thing he can come up with is an armadillo costume. <laughs> and he calls himself the Holiday Armadillo, Santa Claus's part Jewish friend. I came to give Ben some presents... Tell him Merry Christmas and teach him about Hanukkah. It's just one of the weirdest, wackiest, zaniest episodes of the whole show. But it's so funny, too, because I think at one point, um, Chandler, one of the other characters, borrows a Santa outfit from a guy at work and walks in on the Christmas party while the holiday armadillo is trying to teach Ben about Hanukkah. So I think, Joey, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's one sequence where Monica, who is uh, Ross's sister and is engaged to Chandler, decides to, like, hold a powwow amongst the three of them. And she says, Ben, why don't you open those presents while Santa, the the holiday armadillo, and I go talk in the kitchen? Yep. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there going, how crazy is it? Like, I know that that's the, the gist of a sitcom is... It's situations and it's funny things that you just don't expect yourself to be put in, and yet you do. And just the zaniness and wackiness of that whole situation, and yet at the same time, Ross still does get to teach his son about Hanukkah. By the end of the episode, he does tell him about the Festival of Lights. And Ben gets to celebrate Christmas with quote-unquote Santa Claus, and he gets to learn about Hanukkah. So it has like a a happily ever after kind of feel to it as well, while still providing some of those classic laughs that you get from that show. And I assume, you know, this didn't make the cut of the show, but he also got to learn about important DC Comics characters as well, so. Oh yeah, the part where Superman flew all the Jews out of Egypt. Yes, that's the one. (laughs) I forgot. Oh yeah, Joey shows up dressed up as Superman to tell Ben Merry Christmas. <laughs> and Santa at one point was like, my favorite part was when Superman flew all the Jews out of Egypt. 
And Ross just very dryly goes, the holiday armadillo was not so thrilled about that part. (laughs) Such a great episode. Oh, it's hilarious. I love, I love, I love that show. And if there was ever anything to put me in the holiday mood, it would be a holiday episode from my favorite TV show. Honestly, Joey, in my opinion, season seven of Friends is the best season of the whole series. It is it is a really, really good one. I, I still think my favorite season, and this could be just because it has my favorite episode, is probably season four, just because the one with the embryos is my all-time favorite TV episode across every show. Oh, uh, so I, I just love season four, but season seven is really, really good. Man, season seven is just super consistent. I know we're getting kind of off track here, but uh, the one with Phoebe's cookies, where we learn about her, her mm. relative Nestle Two Laos... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one where Rachel hires the cute assistant, the one with the engagement pictures, uh, the the one where the, with the nap partners, where Joey and Ross take a nap together. It's hilarious. Um, the the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs is a great Thanksgiving episode. And well, then episode though... 10, the holiday armadillo. And then here's one of my favorites. Episode 11, the one with all the cheesecakes. Oh yes, the ending is the best part of that, where Joey walks in on, on uh, Ross and or uh, excuse me, Chandler and Rachel, and he just sits down and pulls out a fork and is like, "Hey, what are we having?" <laughs> Gets me every time, dude. I've seen this show like eight times through, and I still laugh at the punchlines. I love it. You know, actually, on the one where the, the, with the sleeping partners, where they fall asleep with each other, I do believe they're actually watching a Christmas movie or it, during that or a reference during that, because I'm pretty sure that's the episode where they yell, Die Hard. Yes, yes. They're like, Die Hard, baby. And we watch Die Hard 1 again, and it'll be like watching Die Hard 2. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a good debate topic for us to have while we're discussing our, our top five holiday movies. But if we're going to get to that, we probably need to move things along. So let's go to uh, our number twos. Uh, Joey, what do you got for us? All right, number two is the most recent addition to my Christmas special list. Uh, it came out just uh, just about nine years ago. Uh, it is a Disney offering. It is a, a newer computer animated one, and it is called Prep and Landing. Are you guys familiar with that? No. Oh, it's fabulous it's it's a your standard uh, half an hour you know so it's 22 minute runtime on tv um it's done by walt disney animation studios and was released by um disney on abc uh you know one thing to tie it into uh ipc more specifically is the theme music is done by michael giacchino ah Uh, but the reason I love this one so much and, and just like a, a couple of the others I've mentioned, it has a lot to do with my daughters because this is the one that they will watch whenever throughout the year. It can be May, July, September. They will say, Daddy, can we watch the elves? Because the prep and landing is all about Santa's elves that go out and get the homes ready for his arrival. It is brilliantly done. Anything that, you know, basically essentially pixar you know it's not exactly pixar but it's uh it it has the same feel to it so anything that's like that um is so wonderfully done and this is no exception Uh, it cost them for this 22 minute show it cost 14 million dollars to make and uh, there is actually a sequel that came out two years later there's some kind of like 
sequel that was just very short and i i'm not even sure i've seen it but the two that are the uh, holiday specials cover that 22 minute time frame um but the original follows um this these elves as they get house houses ready for santa's arrival and you know obviously there's going to be a, a holiday message involved and it's just it's so so great it's hard for me to even explain how good it is if you guys haven't seen it um one of my favorite aspects of it is throughout the course of the uh the show they add little bits of lore to like the traditional santa on christmas eve narrative you know there's these special elf teams and they have all these um equipment and things to do and just like how they tie in and make everything christmas related is just so perfect uh there's so many easter eggs and hidden christmas or disney things to find throughout the show uh it's just beautifully done and it's 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 easily my number two uh favorite christmas special so that's another one uh that if you haven't seen it yet i definitely uh recommend finding it it's actually available on um on itunes and amazon uh streaming or you can you can uh you can buy it for you know a a small fee but it's definitely worth it if you like christmas specials and you haven't seen prep and landing it's definitely one you should uh, see this holiday season I love it. Fourteen million dollars. I'm still fixated on that. Like, goodness gracious! How long did you say the episode was? Twenty-two minutes. It's twenty-two minutes. So you divide that by twenty-two. Good lord! It costs six hundred thirty-six thousand three hundred and sixty-three dollars and sixty-three cents per minute. This is true. Like goodness. It was worth it, though. It made Joey's I list. wish, yeah, exactly. I, I wish I knew how to make six hundred thousand dollars a minute. That'd be pretty dang impressive. Yeah, it's it's just it's so good. Um, the the main the main elf, his name is Wayne. It's he's voiced by Dave Foley. I think I'm not sure you recognize the name, but you probably would recognize him or the voice when you hear it. He, he's the voice of Flick in A Bug's Life. Oh, I know, I know, I know Dave oh, Foley. Okay. Did you yeah. know that Bug's Life turned twenty years old? Yeah, that makes me feel old. That makes me feel hella old, dude. Bugs Life is 20 years old. Jeez. That's a that's a that's a fun. That's a This is this is such a fun list. Like we're getting some stuff that that is well known and stuff that isn't super well known and and everything is about making memories, which is so cool. Yeah. So uh so Benny boy, what you got for us for your number 2? What do I have for Number two, you said. Am I am I blanking here? Do you are you really asking for number number two? Didn't we just do Joey's number two? Correct. I guess we did, because uh, I got a bomb to drop on you. Oh boy. So this one he doesn't have a number two. Is <laughs> no, you're gonna wish I didn't have a number oh, two. Oh no, um... no, no, you're not. Yes, yes, you're not. Yes. Ah! The Star Wars Holiday ah! Special is number two. Yes, it ah! is. That does not belong on anyone's top five list of anything anywhere except for what belongs in the freaking garbage. <laughs> I know. I know it's terrible, but it's Star Wars. It belongs on my ah. list. Yeah. I mean. And that Boba Fett cartoon is kind of cool. <laughs> These are, you know, they're. There are top five, but it's favorites. We're not talking about best, uh, you know, and nostalgia and sentimentality. 
that you, you got to throw things out the window there. You know, sometimes it's tough to explain why you love something. So I think it's perfectly fitting to have the holiday special on Ben's list. Well, thank you for the support, Joey. Thank you. Ah, uh, belongs in the garbage. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Oh, I, you, you know I'm messing with you. You know I love you, buddy, but it's just, uh, Okay. I gotta even things out a little bit. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta level the playing all right, field. All right, all right. Br- for number two, um, I told you it was on my list. Here it is, number two, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Let's bring it. Let's bring it back to to Linus and Lucy and and Pigpen, the innkeeper, and uh, who is it? Um, oh, who? Snoopy. I love, I love the part where Lucy tries to convince Snoopy to be all the animals in the play, and she's like, "Can you be a sheep?" That how about a cow? How about a penguin? It just stands straight up and starts wallowing around like a penguin, and I'm just like, yes. Like he he doesn't really say much. Like he he I think he boos Charlie at, at the at one point in the movie, but he doesn't really say much. But Snoopy has the sass that I aspire to. He really does. Man's best friend. Yes. It's it's just a great one. It's a classic. Like you said, Ben, it tells a really good story. Like, a lot of them are supposed to be about just putting people in the spirit of the holidays. But for those of us who are Christians, it also puts you in the spirit of of, of your beliefs as well. Like, it's, it's the only TV mm-hmm. special where you hear the scripture quoted like that. And, you know, for those of us who celebrate Christmas, hearing the story of Christ is kind of nice and and the way linus presents it and and the fact that abc still airs it you know like like even with the political correctness around today they still air a classic that's decades old and makes reference to the scriptures i i respect them for that yeah it's pretty cool so that's my number two i guess we're on to our number one tv specials it's been a thrill ride joey how are you gonna put the brakes on for us all right, so I, I think you guys have at least heard of this one, even if you haven't seen it. And it is a classic story told with wonderful characters, and that is Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh, oh, is that the one where, like, Mickey sells his watch to buy Minnie a present? And... It is not, no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no, that is um that is a part of Mickey's. I believe it's Once Upon a Christmas. It's oh, a, the okay. third story. It, it's called the the Gift of the Magi. Oh, uh, I okay. do I do absolutely know what you're talking about. But no, this is a retelling of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol it's, using it's a Christmas Carol using yeah, those characters, of course. Correct. Yep. So obviously Scrooge McDuck has to be Ebenezer Scrooge, and Mickey Mouse is Bob Cratchit, and then I... they fill in the other Disney characters throughout the way and you know it's an animated featurette um it's actually relatively old too it's actually 35 35 years uh in uh on december 16th it came out in 1983 uh so it's only 26 minutes long um you know it's obviously a disney production but i know i just really enjoy it i really really enjoy the christmas carol story which you're going to hear more about in the in a little bit uh and you know what's not to like about disney characters and this one is full of nostalgia because i remember watching this every single year growing up and uh yeah if you like christmas carol i don't think you can go wrong with this one so if you haven't seen it definitely check it out there's probably like 
50 different renditions of A Christmas Carol. Like oh, easy, easy. At least because you got the Jim Carrey version, you've got Scrooge the Musical, you've got the one with George C. Scott, you've got the Mickey Mouse, you've got the uh, what's the one, the Muppet version. Like, there's so many. I think Patrick Stewart does one as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Christmas Carol. We're definitely gonna have to touch base on that in just a bit here, but it's it's a classic, classic story that can just it has the capacity to be told time and time again because it's such a timeless tale yep. all righty ben what is your number one tv special well this one is i think is not, it's an obvious choice for me it's 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 one of the more popular ones and uh it's it's hold a special place in my heart because uh it's how the Grinch Stole Christmas, not the live-action version, not the new animated version, but the original. The OG, the one that was my number five. The OG cartoon. And you're nothing against the new versions, whatever. I mean, like even the original version is like an extrapolation on the original story. But, like, I think they did it best in the original. Oh, like easy. 30 minutes, I think, is, is the best time for that thing. It just... It flows so well, and then you know it's it's great. It's one the, it's one that I look forward to every single year watching. The Grinch terrifies my girls, and I don't know why. Oh my god! Well, okay, yeah, but I, he's got quite a scowl to him. He he really does. Like he seems kind of grouchy at times, and yeah, and so I mean, even just the way. Just the way that it's that he's presented, the way that he's animated, compared to the Grinch that you see from Illumination Studios, like he looks silly almost. Like he look he looks kind of kind of goofy. But the way that the Grinch looks down at the Who's from Whoville in in that special, you can just tell he is thoroughly annoyed with his downstairs neighbors. And so he tries wow. to tries to ruin christmas for them yeah it's a it's a great story it's a it's a great great story and that's that's why it was on my top five it's just it's not necessarily as big a nostalgia trip for me and if by some happenstance we end up not watching it during the holiday season it doesn't feel like the end of the world for me necessarily but there are some that i just have like as absolutes i must watch these Year in and year out. It's not Christmas until I've seen this. Does anybody else feel that way about certain things that are on their list for tonight? Oh, absolutely. It, mm-hmm. It's just not mm-hmm. the holidays. It's not Christmas until I've watched Charlie Brown Christmas. It's not the holidays until I've heard this song play on the radio. It's not the holidays until we've watched this movie. And that's that's part of what gets you into the spirit, I feel like. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's 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 great to make those kinds of memories. Oh, for sure, yeah, and uh, you know, while all these uh, television specials, these shorter features, are all on that list and make it feel like the holidays, I feel like the movies that we're going to talk about. There's a couple on my list that, until I've seen that, it's not Christmas. So, oh, absolutely, we got a lot to look forward to. Absolutely, but before we can get to that, I guess I got to tell you guys my number one TV special. Uh, This is another one that is rather short compared to some of the other things that we've talked about, but it's like everything in this 
either sends me down memory lane or sends me into stitches. And that's that's what I that's what I love about this particular special. And I, I don't know why it's my number one. I, honestly, most of these probably could have been my number one. But when I thought about my number one, the first thing that I put in there was this. And it's just because I watch it year in and year out. And I always, always, always enjoy it. And that would be... <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have seen this. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I'm getting choked up over it already, just thinking about it. Listen to me. <coughs> oh. My number one TV special has to be a Garfield Christmas special. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting. I have not seen that. It, it's, it's so, so funny. Like, it, it opens with, with Garfield feeling very selfish about having to go to the farm. He he wants to stay in his bed. He wants to open presents and eat lasagnas. He just wants to stay at home. And then he gets out there and he tries to be as antisocial as possible. But he ends up meeting uh, the antisocial grandma. And, the, and he discovers the reason he's antisocial is because she misses grandpa who passed away. So you've kind of got like a, a, a homespun, heartfelt feel to it as well. Like as you explore those two characters. But then everything else is just really, really zany. The the The... Christmas dinner consists of about ten different kinds of pies, and Garfield has to go up the tree to put the star on the top, and of course it doesn't go well. And then um, there's there's another part where they're they're telling a story, and the dad has to like use his his funny voices the way he did when his grown children were kids, and so like the kids are experiencing nostalgia kind of, and I don't know, there's just something about it. That feels very family-like, I guess. And maybe it just reminds me of my family and the way that we act. Uh, at, at one point, they, the, the two boys, John and his brother, want to get up and open Christmas presents at like 1.30 in the morning. And they're like, hey, Dad, 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 is it time to open our presents yet? And he's like, it's 1.30 a.m. No, go back to bed. And then they're sitting there chatting with him like, at one thirty in the morning, on over a technicality, they're like, "Any time after midnight is technically Christmas morning, you know." Like that sounds like something my family would say. It sounds like something my sister or I would say. And so, you know, I guess it's just got a lot of hilarity to it, and it's got a lot of family feelings to it as well. And uh, it it just it it helps me enjoy the holidays that much more watching. Even an animated family going through some of the crazy family antics that come with the holidays. I love it. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's great. and I've seen a lot of Christmas specials. I haven't seen that one, or if I have, I don't remember it. So I need to check it out. It's it's pretty great. It's it's pretty fun. I I I really enjoy it. It was part of part of a collection that we had on a VHS tape when I was a kid. We did. We re, we would record stuff from CBS, and they recorded Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and then we did the Garfield special right after that, and then Frosty, Frosty Returns, and uh, I want to say Santa Claus is Coming to Town comes after that or something like that, and it's all on this like six-hour VHS tape. And before we had DVD players and discs that we could change in and out, we just used to watch that tape on loop to get our fill of the Christmas spirit. 
Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. Our top five TV specials. It only took us an hour to get through. If we're going to get through this, <laughs> if we're going to get through this show with all the stuff that we're going to talk about, we probably should move right along. And we're going to bring in another news topic to kind of break up the different things that we're talking about. Uh, this one comes courtesy of our friends over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. Uh, John Favreau released a picture not too long ago, a couple of days ago, from the set of The Mandalorian. And it had some pretty interesting guests that visited the set that sparked a lot of speculation. Guests included Peyton Reed, the director of Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Taika Waititi, who is going to be directing one of the episodes of The Mandalorian, but he was also the director for Thor Ragnarok. And then making an appearance, none other than Anthony and Joe Russo. So you've got a lot of MCU reunions going on here, and it's a pretty cool photo and definitely sparking a lot of conversation these last couple of days. Okay, here I got a question for you guys. So Favreau himself is working on The Mandalorian. Watiti is directing one of the episodes. As far as we know, Peyton Reed and Anthony and Joe Russo were just visiting. But I have a question about all of these guys, including Favreau. If you you I'm giving you one. You could, if you could only pick one of these guys to direct a future Star Wars film, Bruce Brothers are a package. Okay, deal. thank God. Um, yes. Um, if you could pick one of them, who would you pick? Oh boy! Joey first. Wow. Oh man, <laughs> that is incredibly tough. Because I, I think all three would do a fabulous job, and I would love to see a Star Wars movie done by any of the three. But I, I, I don't know. For some reason, something's telling me to go with the Russo brothers. I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but they're the ones that I keep my eyes keep going back to. Um, so I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Anthony and Joe Russo. But it's a tough man. That is a tough decision. That is a tough one. Zach, what do you think? I, so here's the deal. I, I want to withhold judgment on the Russo brothers until I see what they've done with Avengers 4. I, I do enjoy what they've done previously. Don't get me wrong. Winter Soldier and Infinity War, two fantastic movies that I love. I love, I love, I love. But I want to see how they round out the story before I can hold judgment. I have seen what Jon Favreau is capable of. I have seen what Taika Waititi is capable of. I've also seen what Peyton Reed is capable of, which is why I'm not selecting him. Um, <laughs> but if, if, I, if I had to pick, I think I would want Favreau as an episodic director and Watiti as a standalone director. I know I'm kind of splitting hairs there, but as far as like if he was to direct episode 9 or episode 10 or something like that, I would want Favreau for something like that. If it's part of maybe like... Like a like a trilogy, and and they're collaborating with uh, Benioff and Weiss, or uh, or Ryan Johnson, and doing one of their trilogy movies or something like that. Then I would probably want Taika Waititi for it. But I'd I'd be I'd be happy with just about any of them, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if I trust Peyton Reed. I, don't get me wrong, Ant Man was entertaining, but it just didn't have a whole lot of substance to it for me. And I I would want. I would want substance with my Star Wars story. And I've gotten substance with movies like Iron Man and Elf and Chef and Jungle Book. You know, John Favreau's got a proven track record. And now that he's working on The Mandalorian, he's got a Star Wars track record to him as well. So he'd probably be my first choice. Yeah. 
And for me, I'm gonna pick. I'm really, I'm really interested in seeing what Taika Waititi does with the Mandalorian, his episode of the Mandalorian, which is supposed to be the finale episode. Really intrigued by that. Love Thor Ragnarok. So I think Ragnarok represents, and Ragnarok's not my favorite out of all the MC movies or even the, the more recent ones, but it's definitely up there, and I appreciate how bold it is. And I, in Star Wars films, I appreciate boldness. I appreciate trying to think outside the box and do different things and expand what Star Wars is. And Taika Waititi, I know a lot of people are not huge fans of Ragnarok because it kind of reinvents the thing and, and kind of does different things. It turns it, you know, into more even, injects more humor and more color and more everything. I think that's the strong strengths of Ragnarok. And I would love to see Taika Waititi's take. I think he has a brilliant eye for, you know, just design, color, humor, all kinds of stuff. Would love to see. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to his episode, but I would love to see him come back and do a full feature film. I, I don't disagree. Everything that, that you said makes perfect sense. Uh, I just think I would probably trust him with, with, a, with a standalone rather than an episode. For for most, uh, right. Jeez, right. I'm looking at the chat, going. I I didn't know anything about what's going on with, um, with this Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer controversy. Uh, what? There, apparently, there's controversy about everything nowadays. Yeah, there really is. There there really is. Uh, apparently, if it exists, somebody's apparently angry. HuffPost yes. is upset that Rudolph is still airing because it has bullying in it. But you know what? The bullies... It's an anti-bullying yes. message, people. Exactly. You, can't, you can't have the proper endings and good messages without controversy and problems. Like, that's the whole point of film and television, and, you know, and books. Like, what, is everyone just going to live in utopia at all time? There's nothing interesting about that unless there's something to overcome. Also, even if there is something problematic in something like that, it's old. It was made... 60 years ago like you have to give some things a pass right i think that's what they were saying they're like why are we still showing this it's so outdated look how much of a problem it is but i mean it's huff post so is anyone really that surprised oh yeah 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 so uh, that, that 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 explains so it. i just have one word for them and it's completely in line with everything else that we're talking about tonight uh here, here, here's here's my one word that's my one take on this quote-unquote controversy. Simply put, snowflakes! Yeah, they, they just, like, they, if they're not offended by something, I just, it's, I, I don't even have words for it because it's at this point now where I see it, I roll my eyes, and I move on because... You know, everyone's entitled to their opinions, but sometimes people go a little too far, and I just, I don't have time for it. Well, speaking of time, I think it's time we get into some more stuff from the holiday spirit. But before we do, just a reminder, for all the latest news, rumors, release dates, casting announcements, and more from the galaxy far, far away, be sure to check out our partners at Star Wars Underworld by visiting StarWarsUnderworld.com. 
That's where we got this article from, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing if maybe the Russo brothers are indeed just visiting or if maybe there's something more going on. I mean, now that they're done with Avengers, who knows what their next project may be. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there. That's what the buzz is on Twitter right now, is could they end up being involved in Star Wars in some capacity? That, uh, that would be interesting to see. So let's go ahead and dive into our top five holiday songs. We're not really going to have a chance to like play snippets for you like we did with our John Williams episode, but I do think we're going to have some very, very interesting opinions as far as which ones our, our favorites may be. Uh, Joey, I'm going to let you lead off. What's your number five holiday song? All right, my number five is actually from um, one of my favorite Christmas movies that we'll be getting to in a little bit. And it is called It Feels Like Christmas, and it's sung by Ghost of Christmas Present in A Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, (laughs) Muppet Christmas Carol, man. Ah. See, they do a good job with that. They really, really do. I it's not my favorite Muppet movie, but I really do enjoy that one. Uh the only the only reason it's not my favorite is because I grew up on Muppet Treasure Island. And oh, that's a great one. So good. Tim Tim Curry, man. Tim Curry before his stroke. Oh man. He he does a great job with that. Wait. You guys mentioned do talking Muppets, haven't you? Because or was it was it Muppets or was it another group of movies that you guys haven't done yet i I thought you guys mentioned talking about some of the muppet movies we we've talked about doing an episode of top five muppet movies before we just haven't gotten to it yet that may be something on the docket for 2019 who knows true very oh man okay ben i i i uh i'll take i'll take the middle this time because you you went middle middle last time my number five i'm gonna get some flack for this because uh spiritually uh, a lot of my christian and catholic friends are going to disagree with me on this but uh i really enjoy the the song mary did you know and CeeLo green sings it the best in my opinion but there are others that do a really good job with it as well but there's just something about it maybe it wasn't necessarily meant to be an ode to mary as much as it was an ode to the listener helping them realize all of the things that that the birth of Christ meant. But the way that they present it, I'm like, whoa, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty important. The the whole part where they're singing, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. I'm like, whoa. And so, uh, yeah, I mean. Now, now why, why, do you, why do you say some people would disagree oh, dude, with that? Oh, dude, people hate it. Uh, especially what? especially the Catholics who who believe that there, there's a, there's a portion of the scripture that goes into very explicit detail about um, about about Mary being told all of these things were going to happen. Um, oh, okay. for for those of us who who are who are more uh, close, closer to the to the Baptist faith, like I am. Um, there, yes, there, there's, there's, a, there's a passage, I believe, in Matthew where the, the, the archangel comes in and speaks to her and, and gives her like an idea of, of what's about to happen. She submits to it, but the passage is maybe you know four or five, maybe six verses long. And so in that context, there's a little bit more room for ambiguity as far as what she knew versus what she didn't know. But either way, people are of the belief that this whole concept, Mary, did you know – you could cut it off right there and be like, yes, she did know. 
I get it. I I think I don't know. I I don't. You know, I'm not I'm not a uh, not a Bible scholar by any means, but like I think a lot of the Bible is open to interpretation. <laughs> there 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 are there are some things that you can have a lot of really good discussion on. And also also it's just a song. Yes, it's just a song. Yes. It's a good song. Don't get so uptight. Yes, it's 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 one of my favorites. That's why it made my top five. It's one of my favorites too. Yeah, it was on my short list as well. It didn't make my top five, but it definitely wasn't in consideration. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben, what did you have for number five? Okay, my number five is also also it's a Muppet song. Um, it's not from the Muppet movie, I don't think, but it's "We Wish You a Merry Christmas" from the Muppets. It's off their album. I think it's the album they did with John Denver. John Denver, yep. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And uh, and uh, there's a lot of great songs in that one. This one's my favorite because it's just thing, and you have animal going off in the background, and then. You know, uh, won't go, won't go, and then you know you get to the piggy pudding part and all that kind of stuff. It's just a great song all around. It's made with figs and bacon. <laughs> what? Oh man, that's that's so much fun. I I've actually heard that one, but you know what? It's not one that you hear on the radio that often. It's one that shows up on your Pandora shuffle. Yeah, I I don't hear it on my local radio stations that much. And believe me, I've got plenty of Christmas radio to go around. I've got 102.1, 98.7, and 94.9 all playing continuous Christmas music. So when one cuts to commercial, I just hit my other preset, and bam, I'm listening to more Christmas music. I am on Christmas music overload right now. Yeah, I've been listening it's, since November it's the 1st. the most wonderful time of the year. Hey, exactly. Oh, man, you're getting ahead of me. Stop that. Ah, Joey, tell me your number four, man. <laughs> all right, so... My number four is uh, a classic song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, but is the one done by the group Straight No Chaser. What? Ooh. Not by the Muppets? See, I love the Muppet version of this song, too. We're getting a lot yeah, of Muppet uh, stuff in. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, Twelve Days of Christmas can be so well done, or it can be really annoying. And there's obviously there's that really funny one on The Twelve Pains of Christmas. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, but the the straight no chaser version is done. It's kind of done as a Christmas medley. They actually have, throw in a little a bit of a Hanukkah in there, which is funny. But uh, they actually incorporate um, Africa by Toto into it. So no way. Yeah. So they they use they use the beat. They don't use like the well. They, they do mention Africa, but yeah, it's you you probably have heard it. Now that I'm talking about, I it. I know this one. Yeah. Yes, I. Now that you said that, I'm like, yes, Africa. I remember that. Yeah, so uh, 12 Days of Christmas by Straight No Chaser is my number four. Uh, it's one that whenever we have Christmas music on, when it comes on, everyone gets really excited. Or if we're just in the house lounging around, my daughters love to ask our Amazon Echoes to play it. So, Yeah, it's the one where it goes, I spent Christmas down in yep. Africa. Yep. That, that That's one. the one. Yep. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go listen to this now. It's just yeah, it's, it's good. It's 12 really Days good. of Christmas by The Chasers. Straight no chaser. Straight no chasers. Uh, straight no chasers. I'm adding it to my own personal list, so I can go have a listen to it in a little bit here. That'll be that'll be nice. fun to listen to. Uh, okay, so we're to my number four then, right? Uh, okay, you you kind of gave it away a little bit, Mister Hart. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. My number four is is a classic. A lot of these are are pretty classics. They're they're pretty 
they're pretty straightforward. I'm not going to really have a whole lot of obscurities for you guys in this one. Andy Williams, most wonderful time of the year. Classic. I I love what it describes. I love the chorus. I love the man's voice. I'm allowed to love a man's voice. The guy does a great job. And it just puts you in the mood. You hear that flourishing intro, and you can't help but, like, stop the conversation. You're like, shush, 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 shush. It's the most wonderful time. Like, you just get into it. And those are the kinds of songs that I love. The ones that are are either really, really pensive, like, uh, like Mary, Did You Know, or the ones that are just super festive, like Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Yeah, that one... That one's definitely didn't make my list. It almost did. Definitely an honorable mention on my part. Um, and that one's special for me because I actually got to see Andy Williams in concert. Whoa! Uh, way back before he passed away, not too many years before he passed away, he actually had a uh, uh, the Moon River Theater in Branson, Missouri, and for some reason, you know, we just up and went and saw his show, his his Christmas show at thing, and of course. That was one of the songs he he uh, he sang, and it was fa- amazing. Dude, wow, that's that is, amazing. I'm very jealous right now. I'm very very jealous. So before I get just consumed with envy, why don't you tell us what your number four is? Oh, it's me. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with for my number four, White Christmas. Now, I I I kind of went down my list kind of very quickly. I'm like, okay, I thinking of songs, but I also want to pick what I think is the best version. Of these songs. And I think White Christmas by the Drifters is the best version of this song. And if you don't know, you might remember it from a little movie called Home Alone. It's the that version. And goes through. That's that's the best version of White Christmas in my opinion. It it, it definitely puts a different take on it. And for a while, when I first listened to it, I thought it was like a dub of sorts, and they kept Bing Crosby's voice and just like put it into the the dub version. I didn't realize it was like a completely different done version for a completely like a completely different artist group. I thought somebody had done like a whole bunch of cuts to it or something, and I was like, "Oh, that's clever." Um, it's also played briefly during Tim Allen's "The Santa Claus." Oh yeah, uh, that's where that's where I remember it from because they're showing like the picture perfect Christmas dinner, and then they kind of pan out, and you realize it's the TV, and then you're looking at their table, and it's just a burnt turkey and a bunch of steamed vegetables. And it's like, oh man, come on, come on, Scott, get your, get it together. But yeah, that is that is a really good one. Uh, totally on Joey. Yeah, on to number three with Mr. Mays. All right, my number three is another. Uh, Christmas classic song and kind of like uh, Ben said you know there's a lot of uh, renditions of each song and you like to pick out your favorite one Um, this is not the classic version of it but it is done by probably my favorite recording artist it's I'll Be Home for Christmas and it is done by Rascal Flatts oh love me some Rascal Flatts yep my favorite favorite uh, band so uh, when I heard their version of I'll Be Home for Christmas like five years ago, I fell in love with it. And uh, it was actually tough for me to put it at three because it had been my number one for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, that's where it falls right now. And uh, I, I really, really enjoy it. So what did you make of uh, 
the the remake that Rascal Flatts did of Life is a Highway. I enjoyed it. You know, it came out with Cars, I believe. Yep. Yep, yeah, they they yeah. released it when they released Cars and I I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, I I really did enjoy it, but then uh about 2 years ago, I was listening to an oldie station here and I I heard the original one by Tom Cochran. And I was like, "Okay, I get why they changed it, but there weren't a whole whole lot of changes, you know? Like usually when you do a like a, a a singing of a song in a different way because it's your group, it's like usually drastically different, like the Drifters with White Christmas. It it just felt like I don't know, maybe just a little bit better tempo or something like that. Like it, it didn't feel like there was a whole whole lot that was different. And I was like, okay, so if there wasn't a whole lot different why wasn't the Tom Cochran version included instead of the Rascal Flats? It just, I don't know, kind of confused me a little bit. Hmm. Not to not to not okay. not to take away from from the band. I, I do enjoy their music. I was just, it just it was one of those more of a why questions rather than I don't like it type questions. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I get it. I don't have an answer for you, just, but um, I, I see where you're coming from. I, w- I was, I was just curious if anybody else had had similar thoughts, but apparently, some thoughts I just need to keep to myself. <laughs> oh well. All right, your number four, Mister Arnold. My number four, or my number three. Number three, I guess. Is that where we're on? Because my number four was most wonderful time of the year, and we already talked about that, so I think it's three. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, okay cool. number three is another classic. It's one that I always sing along to, and there's only one person that I would want to sing along with this to. There's plenty of other versions, but I prefer the original 1961 version, Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song. Ah, classic. Love me some Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. You just get into the mood from there and just, just, I don't know. It's Again, it's one of those mood setters that you can only find with certain songs, and that one definitely does it for me. I never really thought about how close it is to a horror movie because Jack Frost nipping at your nose what if he bites your nose off? There's oh man, we're getting ahead of ourselves. There's actually there actually is a uh, a horror story associated with Christmas. There's a few of them, and uh, of course there oh, is. Oh <laughs> man, oh oh man, they're so much fun to talk about. But we're getting it. What are we talking like zombies level? Yes, <laughs> absolutely yes. Uh, I hope you're able to stick around. I know that you're you're crunched for time, but I hope that you're able to stick around long enough. To, to hear me describe this movie because it is absolutely horrible. Oh god. Uh but oh, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. What's your what's your number three holiday song, man? My number three holiday song is good old Jingle Bell Rock, the original by Bobby Helms. Mm-hmm. And gotta love a little bit of rock with my Christmas and it's just a, that old, good old fashioned soft rock. Love it. Love that song. And it always gets always gets me in a good mood for Christmas. It's, it's it's the quintessential Christmas song to me. Yeah, I mean it does the same for me, man. Uh it's it, it's it's one of those with like uh what is it? Um anything that the Beach Boys sing like Man with All the Toys or something like that. Anytime you can right. anytime you can get something a little bit different that kind of just changes the tone and and sounds a little bit different, it 
it's just it's just fun to know that you can put that many different spins on something that is just one particular mood. Um, didn't make my list, but I wish it. I wish it had. Um, I, I get I get a similar feel when you hear something like uh, "Blue Christmas" by Elvis Presley. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, the, yes. The, the the same kind of vibe that that you get with that song is what I get with "White Christmas." But all in good fun, all in good fun. On to number two, Joey. What you got for us? All right, so. My number two is I have. I, if you haven't been able to tell, I actually have a lot of acapella on my list, and actually my my one that just missed the cut was also acapella. I just I really enjoy um, those versions of songs, and at at Christmas time, it definitely ramps up. So my number two is from a recent band that's gained a lot of popularity over the last half decade or so, and that would be uh, Pentatonix. And yes. my favorite ver- song that they do is one that I wasn't familiar with before they started doing it. I'm not sure if it's an original so- song, although I don't think so. Uh, but it's called That's Christmas to Me. And it just uh, it kind of uh, just shows the feeling of what I think about Christmas. Because they, they they're singing about family and all the things that is important to them at Christmas time. And I just love the message of the song. And the way they perform it, they're... Their vocals are absolutely amazing to me. Anything that Pentatonix does is great, and that's Christmas to me is at the top of the list. Dude, fun fact, my number two is also by Pentatonix. Nice. <laughs> when you started talking about an acapella group that was gaining recent popularity, I was like, I know where this is going. <laughs> and then yeah, I, I don't like, think... Uh... The, but then when you when you listed the song, I like held my breath for a split second. I was like, "We are not about to have the same number two, are we?" And then no, unfortunately, <laughs> I do enjoy that song. I do, I really do enjoy that song. They do a lot of really good stuff with their Christmas music. They really, really do. Um, but uh, this is this is just one of my favorite Christmas songs in general. There's actually two groups that that do this particular song, but I think I enjoy the Pentatonix version a little better. But I like the 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 lyrics that are done by the group Big Daddy Weave, and uh, my oh, yeah. my my number my number two favorite holiday song is "O Come O Come Emmanuel," and oh, nice. Uh, nice. It, it's very good. Yeah, it's it's done really really well a cappella by Pentatonix. The thing is, I don't know all of the verses to "O Come O Come Emmanuel." There's a lot of them, apparently, and you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want to sing in your three or four minutes of fame. And Pentatonix picks some verses that I don't know, whereas Big Daddy Weave uses verses that I am familiar with. And so I'm kind of torn because I prefer Pentatonix's style, but I prefer the lyrics that Big Daddy Weave chose. So uh, my number my number two would be O Come O Come Emmanuel, either by Big Daddy Weave or Pentatonix. It's a classic. Nice. 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 So it, it, it is my turn? A, a quick it fun is. fact. A quick fun fact. I almost forgot. I'm sorry. Pentatonix is from my hometown. Oh, really? Oh, cool. They, they went on to, what was it, The Voice? Um, or was it Got Talent? N- no. Uh, was it one of those? I thought it was. might have been even one of those um, like special one-off uh, acapella specials that they did, like a combina- combination 
uh, every few years they did them. I thought oh, they started there. You know what it might be? It might be. But they they originally started, before going on there, they started as an a cappella group at a local high school in Arlington, Texas. And I grew up in Arlington, Texas. So whenever they kick off their tours, they always kick them off somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, usually which is, uh, it's in the next town over at the Grand Prairie Theater. So they, uh, no, that's nice. really, really cool. Yeah, they won the third season of NBC's The Sing Off. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, the, fun, uh, another little fun fact before we get to you, Ben. Um, they, when they're not touring, they live in this area, and my sister works at a local Starbucks, and not a week or two ago, the whole group came in, and she made coffee drinks for the entire group. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, so she she told me after she was done, she was like, there was a lot of pressure on me to make sure I didn't mess up these drinks. <laughs> but she got, a, she, got a, she got a selfie with the lead singer and everything. It was pretty cool. That is amazing. Some, is some amazing. people have all the luck, you know? Yeah, they do. They do. Okay, so my number two, real quick, is, uh, again, you know, best version of this particular song, I think. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. This one specifically by Frank Sinatra. Oh, doesn't it and start a cappella and then the music comes in behind him? Yes, I, I think do so. enjoy it's that just, one. I do enjoy. I it. don't. I can't put my finger on what it is. There's just something so heartwarming about this song. Every time it comes on the radio, it just hits me in the feels. Um, brilliant. I mean, you can't really go wrong with Frank Sinatra with any song. But this one just touches me. Well, I mean, Frank Sinatra's voice can touch a lot of people. I'll put it that way. Heck yeah. It's a it's a it's a classic. It's a great song. I do enjoy that. See, I've been picking a lot of songs that are like from further back because Okami Manuel has been around for years. Christmas song was nineteen sixty one. Andy Williams, I don't even remember how far back that goes, but that's a lot of what we usually listen to on the radio around here is when it's when it's Christmas time, it's a lot of the oldies with a few new ones mixed in here and there. So that's a great one, great choice. Uh, we're on to we're on to number ones. And and before I bring in Joey, I just want to give a quick shout out to our friend George Rivera in the chat. He says one of his favorite Christmas songs, one of his all time favorites, is Rudolph versus Frosty by the Christian progressive metal band Theocracy. He says pretty much all of Theocracy's Christmas songs are awesome. Go find them on YouTube. Well. That sounds amazing. Now I've got something else to go look up. <laughs> Just keep adding to the list, am I right? Joey. Yeah, lot, lots of is, homework. I was about to say, yeah, are you about to add to that homework total, my friend? Um, I doubt it. I think you're all very familiar with this song at number one for me here. Um, it's interesting to, to look over my list and hear you guys list. We're pulling a lot of uh, classic songs, but not always done by the classic artists. We seem to like sometimes the more modern takes, although you did just get a couple in there with their uh, uh, original guys or the ones that made it famous and Frank Sinatra and Andy Williams. Uh, but this song is actually only... I, think 14 years old but it is absolutely my number one christmas song it is from another movie that we may be hearing about a little bit later in the show and that would be believe by josh groban yes i can't even think i forgot that one didn't even consider it for my list holy crap amazing song groban's voice is that of an angel not not even kidding 
Uh, he one hundred percent confirmed. He he did he did a he did he did a, a a concert with a African children's choir at one point I think, and he he did a a cover of one of my favorite songs "You Raise Me Up" with that choir, and it moved it oh, moved wow. me to tears. It uh, there's not a lot of music that can do that to me. Uh, that that particular song "Letters from War" by Mark Schultz and. Uh, just about anything John Williams, but that that's a, a, considering how much music is out there. That's a pretty low. Uh, that's a pretty low amount. Uh, okay, so we are we are to my number one, if I if I can recall correctly. Um, ben, you may want to take a look at the group chat because when you listed okay. when you listed this song, I literally made this face. Because I thought I was going to be the only one. I thought I was going to be the holdout. And I thought I'm going to make the perfect point about this song. Because it's just so amazing. And oh, and boy. then you took it. <laughs> <laughs> and I made this face. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I, am, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of White Christmas by the Drifters. I absolutely love that song. No wonder there was silence when I said oh. that. No wonder you were you were seething. I was keeping quiet because I was steaming at how I didn't get to make all the little zingers that I wanted to about this song. <laughs> well, by all means, just forget I said everything. I and do have your recently realized. That I am capable, my voice box is physically capable of singing both parts of that song. The really <laughs> low, sultry voice that you start out with and then you cut to the next version and it's like really nasally and high up there. I, I need a little bit of work on it. I need to fine tune it just a little bit. But I can sing both parts. And so whenever I hear White Christmas by the Drifters... I instantly sing along, and I am singing both parts. Not only that, um, we, we were talking about the Santa Claus and Home Alone and all that. It's a song that gets included in a lot of pieces of nostalgia for me. Home Alone and the Santa Claus are two really big nostalgic pieces for me. And whenever I hear White Christmas by the Drifters... I think of those movies. So not only does that particular song remind me of White Christmas the movie with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, it also reminds me of Home Alone, it reminds me of the Santa Claus, and it puts me in the holiday spirit. It is just like this culmination, this cumulative eminence of Christmas. Yeah, I hear you. Like, it's, it's just such an amazing movie. So... I I just ah it's, it's an amazing movie it's an amazing song I I love it I love it I love it there is no other potential for number one than White Christmas by the Drifters. Love it. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. All right, so is it is it time? It is, is it time for my it number one? It is time, my friend. I'm sorry. I, I completely forgot that I was the middle guy for this segment, and I was just going to close everything out, and then I was like, oh, no, wait. I can't do that yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, really quick, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite Christmas 
groups, bands, I don't know exactly what to call them, but they make some of my favorite Christmas music, and one of my favorite songs of theirs is God Ye Rest... God Rest... <laughs> God Ye Rest... God no. Ye Rest God Jerry Rest. <laughs> I like to hear that word. Uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen by Mannheim Steamroller. Is... I love me some Mannheim Steamroller. I love some instrumental stuff, and that's one of their most epic stuff. It's amazing. Love that song. You know, we didn't really talk much about Mannheim Steamroller or the Trans-Siberian Orchestra during this segment, and I feel like both of those need a lot of love. Man, the the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is going to be playing in Dallas in about two weeks, and I'm trying to figure out how to snag some tickets because... They're always playing, and I'm always busy. This month, I'm not as busy, and I really want to try and make it, because instrumental Christmas music, in my opinion, is severely underrated. It really is. I, it really I is. do really, really enjoy it. It's... Oh, man, Mannheim Steamroller. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, that that my grandmother saw Mannheim Steamroller in concert one time, and I am I'm very jealous of that. That would be amazing. I'm, I'm amazing. very very jealous. I I would love to see either of them in concert at some point in time. I just need uh, time and finances to uh, to match. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know we're. I think we're done with the holiday songs. Are we not? I believe we are. Yeah, I think we got them all. Good, good. Okay, so here's the deal. I need to run. Oh, boo. I know, I know. Got, got, at least got those in. I'm glad I was able to get, because I, I worked hard on these. Oh, no doubt. All right? So, thing. really quick, can I just run through my holiday movie list and then just skedaddle? Oh, please, by all means. I, I feel like we need we need to get this stuff in. Because I, I have... I have just enough time. I'm going to read them off for you guys really quick, and then you guys can go through the um, rotation with you guys. I know you guys are probably have some awesome ones, and I want to hear them myself, but I will I will hear them in the post-recording. Um, but really quick, I'm going to run through mine. Um, number five, Scrooged. Bill Murray, can't get wrong there. Um, number four, Home Alone. Again, it's Home Alone. Love it. Um, number three, Polar Express, really hard to put that one in number three because I love that movie. Um, number two is – really quick, have you guys ever heard of Christmas in Connecticut? Oh, not familiar with that one. I don't think I am either. Never heard of it. Okay, so now you've heard of it, and now you should watch it. <laughs> because, okay, this is a movie that I had never heard of either, and a friend of ours, a friend of my family's, gave us this movie, and I was not interested. One night we put it on to watch. I'm like, I'm just at Christmas in Connecticut. Sounds, eh, you know, it's an it's an older movie, uh, black and white. Like I wasn't interested in this, and then I got sucked in. It's a darn good movie, and it's about basically the gist of it is there's a woman who work who writes for a magazine, and she's just kind of this normal person who lives in an apartment in New York or whatever, and just has lives a normal life. But she writes. And here's the thing, she basically lies about everything and talks about in her column about this wonderful house she has, her husband, her kids, 
this you know house out in the country just it's this amazing life none of it is real so but apparently her boss doesn't know this so her boss tells her oh by the way there's these these uh these guys coming back from the war or whatever these veterans wouldn't it be awesome if uh you hosted them at your house in the country and she's like oh that'd be nice well how do i do this when none of this exists so basically this this lady has to come up with all of the stuff that she talks about and thing and they get a house and it's this whole thing of like falsifying everything someone plays her husband it's crazy and but ultimately it turns into you know this thing and it's a nice love story at the end what you think it's really like it's unexpectedly like super complicated and crazy and awesome really funny interesting it's always i hope i hope i i hope i explained it well enough because it really is it's 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 a very it's it's a very off the wall movie i mean it sounds like but we all have off the wall interests and they turn out to be diamonds if you will not necessarily diamonds in the rough but just jewels that we end up enjoying and we try and pass on that joy to those around us yeah did did you mention if it was the original or the remake i i might have missed that um, I watched the original. I'm assuming okay. it's the, it's the. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Christmas in Connecticut. Let me look. I didn't know there was a remake. All I know, I've seen the 1945 version. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, uh, there you go. There you go. Um, and also number one, it's a Wonderful Life. Nice. Come on. Classic. Come on. You can't can't go wrong with that. Love, 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 love that movie. Um, and that is gonna do it for me tonight, guys. It has been a pleasure, and thanks so much, Joey, for coming on. Thanks, uh, everyone, for listening, and it's been a, a absolute pleasure. And real quick, before before I go, um, I know this isn't really geek-related news or whatever, but I, I feel the need to uh, mention that we just lost a, a former president. Um... George H.W. Bush just passed away, which is very unfortunate news. Yeah, but, uh, this is this is the danger of exploring social media while you're while you're doing something live. You end up finding pieces of information that you really wished you'd been able to wait until the end of the show so we could do a, a dedicated uh, farewell to him. But breaking news is also very warranted. I mean, it's literally brand spanking new information just came to us while we were broadcasting. Uh, we may have to do a different tribute at a different time, but uh, man, that's, that's a, that's a tough loss. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, yeah. just, I felt the need, I felt the need to mention that because well, I mean, he, I he'd been battling. I think he, I think he was president when I was born. I, I believe he was for me as well. My, yeah. Yeah, so... And then Joey's over there going, man, now I feel old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I I, I will take this opportunity to sign off for the night, guys, but it's been a pleasure, and I will talk to you guys next week. Ben, fun as always. And, uh, hey, just make sure you watch the movie in time for next week's discussion, man. Oh, I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh, the ever-present and ever-awesome Mr. Benjamin Hart. Go find him on social media at Ben Hart with no E. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Posts a lot of really fun things, fun, engaging things. And uh, 
definitely worth keeping up with over the course of the week. Uh, again, our, our thoughts and prayers are with the Bush family at this time. We can only imagine what kind of uh, emotions they must be going through in the moment. But uh, at the same time, I believe the man had been dealing with sickness for quite some time. So at least he's now at peace. Is that fair to say, Joe? Yeah, I believe you are correct there. And uh, like you, you said it, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to his friends and family. You know, it's it's always a, a somber time when a past president passes away. And this is a time where I hope everyone understands that it has nothing to do with politics or partisanship. It's all about, uh, you know, remembering someone who, uh, you know, put a lot of his time aside to represent our country. Whether or not you agree with him on everything is irrelevant at this moment. It's just, you know, we got to think back and uh, respect uh, his family during this uh, tough, tough time. He, you're, you're right. He put a lot of his time and energy and effort into, into, into this country. And whether you feel like it was for the better or, or not for the better, the fact that he put that much time and dedication into it is definitely worthy of respect. So... Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a, a moment of silence or or what, but we had actually already scheduled a brief break in the action at this time, so we'll we'll take a, a brief pause, and then we're going to jump into our ad break. Uh, just hitting the pause button on our discussions, go to program identification, and we'll see you in just a bit on the flip side as we continue our IPC podcast holiday special. This is IPC. holiday music you're listening to in the background but don't change that dial just yet this is a rush from the sith list and i'm here to talk to you about the kessel toy run episode two join forces this holiday season like we did last holiday season and get together and donate a new star wars gift to a hospitalized child and family unable to spend the holidays at home now our boy brandon setting this up he did it last year and he did an amazing job and the gifts were just unbelievable got out to so many wonderful kids that are spending their holidays not at home. This toy drive is going to go from October 15th through December 20th. And all you have to do is go to Amazon.com and under account, click on find a list or registry. Go to search and I want you to put in the Kessel Toy Run at gmail.com. Then you click wish list. Choose your items slash items you'd like to buy. Then send your selection to the address, which I'm going to give right now. Send it to Brandon Manriquez, P.O. Box 7232, Long Beach, California, 90807. 
Now, if you don't want to use Amazon, it's all good too. If you want to go to Walmart or you want to go to Target, you want to find a gift on your own, just send your items to the address that I listed, and that's Brandon Manriquez, P.O. Box 7232, Long Beach, California, 90807. So you might be asking, how is Brandon going to distribute all this by himself? Well, he is. He's got some help. Toys will be distributed by the Child Life Program at Miller Children's and Women's. Also, our friends, the Rogue Rebels, and Saber Guild Temple Prime. When you make that selection, I want you to go on Twitter and tag at Making Star Wars and also tag us at The Sith List, but I definitely want you to tag at Kessel Toy Run. That's at symbol T-H-E-K-E-S-S-E-L-T-O-Y-R-U-N. And are you in? Oh, hell yeah, you're in because this is a great thing to do. It's the holiday seasons. Let's put a smile on these kids' faces. This is what fandom is all about. Guys, thank you, and I can't wait to see what you guys get for these wonderful kids. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter. Mr. Grinch, you're the king of sinful sots. Your heart's a dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked jerky jockey and you drive a crooked hoss, Mr. Grinch. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. 
and we are back on the IPC podcast. Ben already had to step away. It was a long night. Joey, you're running a marathon with us now as it's after midnight out there on the East Coast. Thanks for sticking up with us. Uh, I, I hope you're staying awake. Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like I said, this is the show I've been waiting for when it came to top five, so I definitely wasn't going to miss out, nor was I going to fall asleep during the middle of it. <laughs> uh, that's good news to hear. That is good news to hear indeed. So this is this is one segment that I, I had hoped to be able to discuss with Ben, but I'm glad that I still get to discuss it with you. This doesn't really necessarily have to be like a, a listicle or anything like that. Just curious what kind of things your family does as a tradition to – Put yourself in the holiday spirit. Do you have like uh, a tradition of decorating a gingerbread house together on Christmas Eve? Or do you all go out caroling sometime during the year? You know, what's something that you guys do as a family to get yourself ready for Christmas? Yeah, there was a lot of them growing up and then kind of had a transition period as I went off to college and started kind of a life of my own, you know, ended up getting married, um, which brought about new ones, which are the current ones, especially with uh, the children involved now. But probably the biggest one and the one that's most important to me is that uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, no matter when it falls, if it's early like this year or late like next year, we always uh, end up fully decorating the house, including putting up the Christmas tree. And uh, at this time, it's uh, just my wife and I watch the Polar Express that night. That is the tradition. We we make hot chocolate. We watch the Polar Express under the light of the Christmas tree and just bask in all the decorations inside and out. Uh, we do that all the day after Thanksgiving because we like to uh, embrace uh, the Christmas time for as long as possible. So we always get right to it uh, after we're finished up with, uh, with turkey. So that is the one that sticks out for sure. Uh, decorations. Uh, polar express and uh you know we're developing a lot more now with the kids but that one jumps to the top of my list and then probably the other one that's um you know i hold uh dear is going to a family house after uh church on christmas eve and just being with them uh some people who we don't get to see on christmas day we kind of uh see a bunch of family and friends at a at a house each christmas eve and that's uh, one that i know my girls definitely uh enjoy as they have mentioned it in their uh holiday traditions uh homework if you want to call it that that they're doing for school right now <laughs> oh man i i couldn't call that homework i would call that fun <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly like like i mean technically if you're prepping for for a podcast like this you're technically doing a little bit of homework trying to get ready for all of it and you know making your lists and discussing it and and thinking up you know what your answers are going to be uh, it, it's kind of funny because my family has a fairly similar tradition where as soon as thanks thanksgiving is over we like to do something to kind of put us into the mood for the next holiday my dad has always been very we celebrate uh, we, we celebrate holidays one at a time. So there's nothing Christmas related during Thanksgiving season. So, you know, from uh, November 1st until Thanksgiving, it's all Thanksgiving period. And then my sister's birthday tends to fall somewhere around there because her birthday is on the 26th. And so sometimes her birthday is actually on Thanksgiving, which is kind of cool. But, you know, we, we celebrate her birthday. And then as soon as that's passed, then we get into Christmas mode. But the way that we kick it off is uh, after everybody goes home on Thanksgiving night, um, we, uh, we my, my family hosts Thanksgiving nine times out of ten. And so we'll host it, and then as soon as everybody's gone, uh, we will 
break out the first Christmas movie of the year and watch it Thanksgiving night as a way to kind of like close out one holiday and introduce another one. And for some reason, I don't know how this happened. It just kind of stuck. But our go-to, uh, our go-to Christmas movie to kick off the holiday season is Elf with Will Ferrell. Very nice. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet this year, but it's on my list. I gotta, I gotta see that before uh, before December ends, as we've at least in my time zone, we're in December now. Oh yeah, I mean I'm not too far away uh, from that myself. That's a that's an interesting point. Happy December, Joey. Yeah, it it is the best month of the year. Clearly, like, that's not even up for debate. Well, I mean it, it's it's got my favorite holiday for one, obviously, and then it's got New Year's Eve, and uh, you know you're transitioning into a new year with that mm-hmm. kind of a new year, new me. Uh, Star Wars has been coming out that month for the last few years, and right. uh, December was when I graduated from college. So, yeah, there's a lot of happy memories associated with December, for yeah. sure. My uh, birthday month, too, so can't, oh, can't forget that. So. Oh, I yeah. had almost forgotten that. I'm glad that you reminded me. Now I need to keep an eye out for when I get a Facebook notification that it's your birthday. <laughs> Got a few weeks. Well, but uh, it's... So so let me ask you this then. Does your birthday kind of get kind of caught up in the Christmas hustle and bustle or do you get to celebrate it separately? No, my 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 family's really good about still doing things like that, but they also have a lot of practice because my dad's is the day after mine. Oh my. And my my sister's is within the first few days of January. So we've Dang. got a lot lot going on and actually speaking of my sister, she is um uh due on christmas this year so oh wow (laughs) yeah yeah we uh we tend to uh group our uh our uh, birthdays together i actually share my birthday with uh, two of my cousin's children's as well so it's a it's a busy time in in my family uh, during the holidays people are gonna uh, go broke buying all those presents i have another cousin born on christmas so yeah uh and this is all from one side of my 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 family it's all on my dad's side Dang, man. What does your family do in March? I uh, Apparently you know. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, another another tradition that, uh, that we've recently started, uh, my, my family has a lot of different allergies and intolerances, but not too long ago, my mom, who is dairy-free, recently found a coconut milk-based eggnog. And so we have taken to having like a family night sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas where we're not watching movies. We're just maybe playing games or something like that. And we had this a couple of days ago, and I hope that it continues to catch on because we we just played a card game together and everybody in the house had themselves a glass of eggnog, including my mom. That's and great. That was that was a pretty cool moment just getting to to savor being together as a family. Cause now that I've moved out, we don't have a whole lot of those moments, not as much as any of us would really like, but we did get to, to have that a day or two ago. And that was really fun. So it, it, to me, it's all about doing stuff together as a family. And there's nothing bigger for us than when we're decorating the house. I don't know if you've seen pictures of my parents' house, Joey, but they rival the halls that your family decks. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. 
my mom loves the Christmas season and she decorates a ton of stuff on the inside while my dad and I decorate the outside. We've got holly bushes that we put twinkle lights in. We put C9s up on the roof. Uh, we've got a bay window that we string lights up and down from. And then on the inside, my mom has several different trees, multiple fake trees put up in different places throughout the house. And she decorates each one of them differently. So one is filled with like memoirs and mementos and, you know, old ornaments that the, that we decorated as kids. There's another one that's dedicated to the state of Texas. And the topper is a cowboy hat. Not nice. Even, not even kidding. Completely um, it's, acceptable. It's got like bandanas and things that are like related to the state of Texas, like the Rangers, the Texas Longhorns, because that's where my mom went to school. Uh, the state capitol sends out an ornament every year, and so she decorates all of the different state capitol ornaments on there. And then she's got one that's dedicated to the color purple because she loves purple. It's got purple twinkle lights, purple ornaments. It's all purple. Hey. And so we've just got a ton of different things that we put up, and it's like the house looks completely different by the time we're done. It's a lot oh, of yeah. work. It's a lot, a lot of work. It usually takes a day and a half to complete. But we're getting it down to a science where we might actually be done in one full day next year. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. It bled yeah, over our... into another day this year, but we're getting close. Yeah, our decorating takes um, most of the day after Thanksgiving, and that, but that's just the inside. I actually usually do the outside in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, but we don't turn anything on until after yeah. Thanksgiving. But I'm just yeah. like, I don't have enough time in one day to do everything, so I kind of got to piecemeal it out, yeah. and that's where we're at. But it, yeah, it's funny how as the years year goes on, it seems that the decorations get exponentially greater, and Christmas is about a hundred times more than any other holiday. Although. Uh, Halloween, Halloween's getting up there. Uh, we've got a pretty good amount of Halloween decorations now, although we don't do anything really outside. We don't have any animatronics or lights or anything, just your standard pumpkins and, and whatnot. But inside, we've got some, some fun things. That's pretty cool, man. That's yeah, I, I think it's the decorations that help set the tone, really. Like you can you can listen to music and you can watch movies and specials all you want, but it's kind of a one and done. You watch it and then it's over, but if you want to stay perpetually in the mood, you need a tree, you need lights, you need decorations, you you need that spirit to be permeating a little bit more, percolating or something like that, if you will. And uh, the decorations definitely do help you do that. Oh, for sure. Well, okay, it's time for the cream of the crop, the piece de resistance. It's the one that everybody's been waiting two hours for. Top five feature-length holiday movies. Joey, you are the guest. I will let you lead off. But uh, I've got a question for you first. And Ben made reference to this, and I've got a lot of friends that have been making reference to this lately. Um, but the, it, it's very didactic. It's very split. I don't even know if it's on your list or not. But are you of the opinion that... Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes or no? I, I do believe that it is a Christmas movie. Although when I watch it, that's usually not what I'm thinking about. And it is not on my list of must-sees at Christmas time. But I definitely can... I definitely understand why people... Be 
believe it's a Christmas movie. You know, if you obviously, I'm sure you've seen it, Zach. But if you haven't seen it, there's, uh, you know, we get a Santa suit, we get uh, Christmas songs. So I don't see why you wouldn't consider it a Christmas movie just because it's R-rated. It's got um, some pretty intense action and uh, some vulgarity. Um, you know, it's just, it's you know, it's uh, destined for an R.I.P.C. discussion, I believe. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. It's uh, it's most likely on our list. If it isn't, I'm about to add to it. Uh, for me personally, I'm not going to deliver any hot takes or rants or tangents because, you know, it's late and I don't really have the energy for it. But I, I have a hard time uh, with, the, with the semblance of a Christmas movie equating a movie that happens at Christmas time. <laughs> it, it's it's hard for, it's hard for me to to see it that way. I'm also of that opinion with Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. There there's a lot of Christmas shopping involved, but there's also a lot of other really weird stuff that goes on during that movie. And I don't know if I would always quantify it as a Christmas movie. Uh, maybe even Home Alone to a certain degree, because they make other Home Alone movies that don't happen during Christmas time. So yeah. just because well, the original Home Alone happens at Christmas time, does that make it a Christmas movie? Uh, maybe. I, I I mean I I see your point. I, I understand it. I do believe that you know if there were levels of Christmas movie of how Christmassy is this movie. Um, Die Hard would probably be, you know, in the second rung down, you know, not quite the bottom, but at the the, the second lowest um, shelf. Um, but I, I definitely think uh, Home Alone and Jingle All the Way would be above it. I, I, I see what you're saying. Just because it takes place during that time of the year, is it a Christmas movie? To me, to me, it is because if you're seeing decorations and you're hearing Christmas music, I absolutely associate that with this time of year, especially mm-hmm. uh, especially Home Alone. And you know, in Jingle All the Way, they're t- they're talking about Christmas toys, and he has to name the reindeer. Uh, excuse me, the reindeer. Uh, you know, there's the holiday parade. There's the the ornaments and decorations that he destroys in his the neighbor house, and um, so those are those are two definites on my on my uh, Christmas movie list. Um, Die Hard, I think, is the biggest one open to interpretation, but I still would say I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a pass. But it, it's it just just passes. Okay, fair enough. Well, if if Die Hard did not make your list, then please tell us what did. Yeah, Die Hard didn't make my list, um, neither did Jingle All the Way, but I enjoy both of those films very much so. Um, another one that didn't make my list, but I have to mention it, and maybe you'll be mentioning it, and I won't talk about it, but Christmas Vacation would be my honorable mention. I wanted to put it on my list, but there's five others that I have higher. So Christmas Vacation would be the one that I had to mention that I'm not really going to get to talk about. Um, but my number five is something that's already been brought up, uh, I believe by you, and that is Elf. Oh yeah, I do very much enjoy Elf. Very, very yeah. Very so, much. Um, and it seems it's where it's only going to be a one and done. We're never getting a sequel. Um, it's been you talk about it off and on it. 15 years ago when it came out and then even recently as I think just one or two years ago John Favreau talked about it but Will Ferrell says that he has no interest in reprising the character and I think it's mostly because and this is speculation on my part but I don't think they believe they're going to get lightning in a bottle again you know (laughs) Elf was so great such a great addition to um, Christmas movies that 
you don't have to always make a sequel because a lot of times they're not usually as good as the first nope. one. So I think they want to just let it be. And it kind of was a self-contained story. There's no reason that it has to have a sequel. Um, but it is crazy to me to think that it is 15 years old. It came out on November 7th, 2003. So crazy, crazy stuff. That's just, oh, that's mind-blowing. Uh, but, yeah. you're, but you're right. That, that's, a, that's a great term for Elf, lightning in a bottle, because... It, it's it's a it's kind of a one hit wonder, if you will. Like it, it's not something that you can really duplicate, and it's not something that you can really follow up with. I think my speculation, uh, aside of the lightning in the bottle idea, is that it's um it it was very difficult for Will. It was a very difficult role, especially the spaghetti scene where he's putting syrup on spaghetti and then. The next morning when he's eating breakfast and he's trying to, like, put candy and Pop-Tarts and stuff into his spaghetti and he's eating it with his hands, he said that he absolutely hated that part because he had a headache for days afterwards from the sugar high. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. It, 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 I Honestly, when I watch that movie and see him eat and drink all the stuff that he does, I just wonder how he's able to do it. But he does it so flawlessly. Uh, I know. It's a really, really great uh, probably my favorite Will Ferrell movie too. It's just uh, it, oh yeah, he just embodied that character so so well. And the rest of the cast: uh, Zoe Deschanel, w- wonderful, uh, James Caan, Mary Steenburgen, and then Bob Newhart and Ed Asner. You know, as the elves and Santa. So man, what a what a great cast! And the way that they kind of riffed on um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. You know, those stop motion, um, the, the old. Uh, Christmas classic uh, TV specials that we talked about a little bit ago mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. had just so, you know, so um, Leon, the s- snowman and Mr. Narwhal <laughs> and all. Of oh that. yeah. And uh, the, one of the reasons it makes my, um, my top five list here at number five is just, it's so quotable. It's got great gifts and, uh, and meme potential. And it's just, it's, everyone knows elf. Like if you haven't seen elf, you need to go see it right now. I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm also glad that you uh, provided an honorable mention because I had an honorable mention as well. I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to talk about it, but now that you brought up an honorable mention, I'm going to do one as well. Uh, It's one that I watched either a year ago or two years ago. It might have been just a year ago. Uh, I was browsing through Netflix, and I came across this, and I don't know if it's still there anymore because you've got movies like The Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. I haven't seen that yet, but I want to try it. Um, Same here. But this this is this is one that I bought on Amazon and added to my collection because it is just so terrible. I have to watch it every year now. And it's a, <laughs> it's a movie that was made in 2015 called A Christmas Horror Story. And it's got Will Shatner as a radio DJ. As all kinds of crazy stuff is happening in this small town, including um, a a changeling from the forest taking over a family's kid. And there's another sequence where a family gets chased by the Krampus. And, you know, there's just all kinds of really weird scenes. And one of them includes Santa at the North Pole trying to fight off his zombified elves in order to make it in time for Christmas interesting it's a really weird really really weird movie and it's got a heck of an ending 
It's not something that I would really discuss on IPC, but we might need to do an RIPC holiday-themed episode talking about A Christmas Horror Story, because it is just that terrible. Uh, but my number five is actually your honorable mention, so we do get to talk about it for a little bit here. Excellent. Christmas Vacation. It's another one of those traditions that my family has, uh, and it's one that I didn't get to partake in until about maybe four or five years ago, which is kind of ironic because I was only 20 when that happened. Maybe maybe it was closer to seven years ago. It was around the time I turned 18, I guess, so it was probably closer to seven years ago. Um, after we do our candlelight service and our Christmas Eve party with people and stuff, my parents liked to send the kids to bed and work on stockings and presents and stuff while watching Christmas Vacation. And so they would rant and rave about this movie for years on end and never let me watch it. And then I finally got to watch it one year when they considered me old enough, and I had a ball. Not just because of how funny it was, but because I got to do, like, an adult thing, you know? I felt very grown up getting to watch that movie with my parents. And um, there are certain family members like um, like the grandparents and Cousin Eddie that actually remind me of certain relatives that I have. And so <laughs> it was rather relatable at, at a certain point as well. And then just recently when we started getting really obsessed with our exterior illumination, uh, relatives have started calling us uh, Sparky and Rusty. My dad and I. <laughs> nice. Because we deck the halls inside and out. And so there's just a lot of similarities. There's a lot of really funny jokes. Um, and then the monologue at the very end. where Amazing. Where, he, where he's standing up at, at, in front of everybody and he's like, we're going to press on and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny Bleeping K. Like, oh my gosh. I love, I love that sequence. I, I just really, really enjoy that movie. So yeah, that's what checks yeah. in at number five for me. Yeah, the qu- quotability of that movie too is uh, oh, if you have if you haven't seen it, you you need to see it as well. But it like like you it was one that I didn't partake in until later, and it wasn't because anyone told me I couldn't watch it. It just it never really appealed to me because I never got into the vacation movies. I've seen bits and pieces of all of them, but. Christmas Vacation, because it was a holiday one, I was like, you know what, I probably should do this. So I think like five or six years ago, I finally watched it all the way through and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, so I was a little surprised it didn't quite make my list, but it was one that I definitely was hoping we'd get to talk about a little bit because it is such a classic, so funny. Uh, and it, I think I, I posted this on Facebook, so you may have seen it, that when I was doing my pre-Thanksgiving outdoor decorating uh, my neighbor saw me and yelled back looking good Clark <laughs> yep yep that's that's along the lines of what we get but it's it's mostly self-contained like family members and that sort of thing but yeah uh, I think one of my Instagram captions when I was up on the peak of our house was just call me Sparky <laughs> so, yep so very, perfect very relatable also did you know that the kid who played Rusty in that movie grew up to be Leonard from Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, yep, Johnny Galecki. I was like, "What?" Here's here's the other fun fact, if we're going to be talking about uh Elf for a second here. Um the the guy who plays Ming Ming, the the one who's like the the head elf up at Santa's ah, workshop. Yes. Yep. He played Ralphie in The Christmas Story. 
Yep. I That just blew my mind. I was like, you, you were talking about the stellar casting. I thought that was a really clever way to like pay tribute to another Christmas classic. It, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, so what checks in at number four for you? All right, so number four is the Santa Claus. And I wish Ben was here for this because I wanted to say, that, and that's Santa Claus with an E. <laughs> ben Hart with no E, Santa Claus with the E. Oh, man. Okay, so you were talking earlier about movies that didn't really need sequels. I feel like Santa Claus is on that list. Yeah, and funny you mentioned that because one of the things I wanted to say about it was I haven't seen the sequels. I, I only saw the first one. So, Don't. Uh, I, I didn't get to two or three. Uh, I feel like to, I need to complete the trilogy, but a lot nope. of people say that it's nope. not worth it. So, nope. um, The nope. first one is so good, though. Uh, I, I really, really loved uh, seeing it. Uh, it came out in uh, November 1994, and obviously it features Tim Allen. Um it is surprisingly to some a, a Disney or Buena Vista Pictures film, uh, but you know it, it's not. I, I don't. I can't really pinpoint why I like it so much because um, there's not a ton of nostalgia linked to it. Like there are so many of the other things we've talked about. It's just um, funny, man. Yeah, it's just enjoyable. You know, it, it, I enjoy their takes on the lore and everything associated with Santa Claus. You know, with the uh, the sack that like carries him around and the rose such a clatter company that pops up and um the funny interactions with the reindeer and everything with uh, bernard and the snow globe and i just like when they kind of expand on what you think about uh santa and that aspect of christmas and i think the santa claus does a great job with that uh and for the longest time because i was pretty young when this came out i wasn't even 10 years old when it when it debuted um i thought the correct way to spell santa claus was with an e yep it was it was not until many years later that i realized the point of the movie is that there is a clause and they explained it in the movie but when i was younger it went way over my head yep there's a clause saying that if you put on the soup you become santa hence that's the santa claus and Santa Claus, the person, is spelled without an E at the end of Claus. But that was way over my head when I was nine years old. Uh, and, yeah, it's it, that first, the longest time I thought it was spelled with an E. So, yeah. Santa Claus with an E, Ben Hart with no E. Man, that that was, that would have been a fantastic joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was disappointed when he had to step aside just because I was I was ready to throw that one at him. But alas, well, something tells me this isn't the end of our Santa Claus discussion, nor is it the end of our discussion of the movie Elf, because that is my number four. <laughs> you and I, you know, we've always been like this. Yeah, I know, right? What, oh, that's a that's a Chandler quote. That is a Chandler. That is quote. a Chandler See, quote. I, ah! That is a gift that I've been trying to find in you know the built-in uh, apps on my iPhone or on Facebook or anywhere that you can use gifts like with a built-in app, and I cannot find it. I can't f- get the keywords down correctly to pop it up because there's so many times in texts or Facebook conversations I want to use it and I just can't find it. I think Giphy on Twitter has it, but that's like the only place that I've really been able to find it. It's, yeah. It is a very, very obscure one because, I mean, I mean, it's it's maybe you can get the motion, but you can't always get like the caption or something like that. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it maybe 
it, it is a little bit harder to find. But if you check if, the group, if you check the group chat, I did just find it. Oh, nice. Well, if if I can find a gif of Billy Bones, I feel like I should be able to find a gif of uh, Chandler making that motion while drunk. So, I mean, I I'll, I'll tell you the keywords that I searched when I was just using the the gif tenor there. Chandler friends same. Oh, okay. And, and somehow that was like one of the first five, six, seven options, something like that. It still takes a little bit to get to get there, but it gets there. I love that episode. I love that show. Chandler Bing is my spirit animal. That that season seven episode, the one with the engagement pictures where he can't smile to save his life. And <laughs> then they say, I'm sorry, is this seat uncomfortable? And he just looks at him and goes, no, I am. Oh, that's my life right there. That's my life in a nutshell. It's so just, perfect. Is, is is the seat uncomfortable? No, I'm uncomfortable. Um, and maybe it's the social awkwardness of Elf that I also really appreciate. He just he doesn't get it and yet still leaves such an impact on everybody's life. Like he he I I don't I don't even have the words like the the gift for the special someone that he gives to his dad. Like he wants it to be a special gift and he was following the signs advice, but not in the correct context. Um, singing the song for his dad in the office. I'm here with my dad. Like everything about it is just so, so funny. But I am also convinced that they got ideas for Elf's character from people with Asperger's syndrome. Growing up in the special needs community because my brother's special needs, I recognized a lot of the social quirks and awkwardness as something that greatly resembles the the social quirks that you see from people on the autism spectrum. And so Elf is very near and dear to my heart, not just for the comedic sake or the characters, because you're right, it's got a fantastic cast and a great story, but when you when you watch it through the lens of Buddy the Elf being uh, a person with special needs, being somebody with Asperger's syndrome, all of a sudden it opens doors for representation too, which I think is super super awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting angle to take, and I definitely definitely appreciate it. That, that is a that is something I've never thought of. So that's that's really eye opening. Well, it, it's just something that we came across because we watched it so frequently. But I, it's it's a theory that I like to live off of now because if if that is where they got their ideas from, then I'm just glad that you know even though people who are uh, socially awkward may be perceived as different, they still end up being the heroes of the story. You know, it's it's almost like along the lines of Rudolph and the Misfits. Even though they got bullied, they still save the day. Even yep. though they're different from everyone else, they still save the day. So. That's that's why I like it. For uh, sure, for sure. I think we're on to number three now as we start trying to wrap up the evening. What have you got as your number three, Mr. Mays? Well, it's not something that I thought could be controversial, and it was on Ben's list. But from what we discussed you know, about 10, 15 minutes ago, I don't know. Maybe it is because number three is Home Alone. Okay, okay. Because I definitely associate it with, with Christmas and the holiday season. Uh, like I said, just the the setting and the songs, both of uh, you know the White Christmas version that you and Ben both mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, being included there, the, the lights, the snow, uh, everything that happens uh, is is at Christmas time. Um, whether or not that makes it a Christmas movie could be up for debate. For but to, 
to me it is and it's number three on my list uh it's uh you know it, it's amazing to think that it's closing in on on 30 years uh coming out in november of 1990 but it had a great cast, you know, it was kind of the heyday of Macaulay Culkin, but, and having a uh, Pesci and Stern as the bandits was just great. And then his parents, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara, just such great chemistry. It was so, so perfect. And to have all of them come back for the sequel, which I think is, you know, some people would say not as good, but I think it's a, it's a worthy sequel for sure. I don't think at any point you'd say, oh, it's not worth watching. So it's nice to have that little, uh, a little duology there of the original two with that cast and, you know, had great direction with Chris Columbus, uh, who you guys talked about, um, recently, um, uh, with, and this one's for Dominic, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and, uh, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, you know, and he also did the, uh, sequel Home Alone 2, uh, and the Home Alone is a product of John Hughes, which, you know, we're very familiar with his work, uh, in, in the, in the eighties and nineties and the, the great stuff that he was able to do in the film industry. Uh, and one of my favorite parts of Home Alone is the film within a film that they made up and played, uh, during the, uh, multiple attempts at break-ins, uh, you know, that 1930s, 1940s, like gangster film. Uh, that's called Angels with Filthy Souls, which is just so perfect. Uh, and, of course, last thing about Home Alone, how can we ever forget, because you guys talked about it a few months ago when we were discussing the great John Williams, a soundtrack from the master himself. That's true. So, so great. And every, anytime, anytime the movie just starts and you hear that Home Alone music, you know, it gets me into the holiday spirit. And to, I know I'm ready to... Uh, have a fun uh, 90 minutes watching a, a great uh, holiday film. That's a good point. Uh, John Williams doesn't really do a whole lot that pertains to the holidays. It's usually like an action film or a drama or something like that. So for him to to take on this project was surprising, but in a very pleasant manner. And uh, it is definitely one of the, the highlight portions of the evening uh, when when you're watching that movie for me. And don't get me wrong, I love slapstick comedy. I absolutely love slapstick comedy. The oldies slapstick, like the stuff you got from from the 40s, close to, close to when they were transitioning out of silent films into talking films. Um, the Marx Brothers. Do you, do you Have you seen anything by the Marx Brothers by any chance? I'm not sure if I have. Man, the Marx Brothers were the kings of comedy back in their day because they had such very very sarcastic natures that, that that it it just emanated in everything that they said in their dialogue but then they also had really really funny slapstick sequences as well and so i i basically grew up on that stuff you know and maybe one of the reasons why i'm i'm so opinionated on home alone is i just don't watch it as frequently as some of the other christmas movies that i watch um, it wasn't one that I really watched a whole, whole lot growing up, maybe every couple of years, every three years, something like that. And so with a lower frequency of, of viewership, I just didn't have as much nostalgia attached to it as other people have. So, I mean, I, I do enjoy the movie. It's just my, my take on it and my perspective on it is a little different than most, I suppose. Sure. So what's your number three? My number three is, here's the irony, I love this movie, but the song that comes with it I chose for a different group. I love the Drifters' rendition of White Christmas, 
but I love the 1954 movie. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, one of the best Christmas casts you could ever have. And it just takes you on such a fun journey. It can be whimsical. It can be funny. It can be sad. It can be happy. It can be really, really dramatic and intense during the war sequences at the beginning and the way that they bring it back up over the course of the film. There's just so much about it that is so enjoyable that uh, I, I love the way it finishes, where they open up the cabin, the, the, the back of the, of the hotel, and it's actually snowing. They've been talking about snowing in Vermont for the whole movie. It finally happens while they're having the party for the general. It's just one of those classic happily ever after vibes that just puts me in the holiday spirit. Yeah, and I, I understand that there's a lot of people on the same page with you. White Christmas is always on those top lists of, of Christmas movies out there. Um, it's it's not one I've seen a lot of. Uh, and some of, some of these classic ones that now that you've mentioned and, and Ben had his number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I don't know. I, they never they never caught on with me. It's not that I didn't like them. It's just not something that I ever went to every year. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird that I I don't know if it was you know a lot of time people try to get me to watch them when I was younger and when you're younger you're not really open to seeing stuff that was made that many years ago and yeah that's um, true. You know, so I I probably should revisit them again because it's been a few years since I've seen White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life, but neither of them ever caught on that made my must-see list, but obviously a classic and um, well-respected by very many people. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you you were talking about It's a Wonderful Life. I'm kind of in a, a, a similar uh, boat when it comes to certain classics i mean there, there are some that i just i had to watch because my family wanted to watch it but um i i was never really a fan of it's a wonderful life and i, I don't mean to take away from ben's choices i i get i get why everybody really loves it I, and i get why you know the the importance of just one man that kind of thing you know you, you realize if you didn't exist it kind of turns sci-fi on you a little bit you know, like, like what happens when you mess up the timeline and this person doesn't live? This is what your timeline becomes. Like, I, I get it. But at the same time, I've also got a, a very similar feeling to a certain Miss uh, Phoebe Buffay. Mm. She was told to watch It's a Wonderful Life because the, the happy ending is built right into it. Right. And, and she says, I didn't watch the ending. I was too depressed. It just right. kept getting worse and worse. It should have been called It's a Sucky Life. And just when you think it can't suck anymore, it does. Yeah. Also, uh, Pride of the Yankees. Mm. <laughs> the guy gets Lou Gehrig's disease. The guy was Lou Gehrig. Didn't you kind of see it coming? <laughs> oh, Joey, this just further confirms that sometime in 2019, you and I need to have an episode dedicated to the TV show Friends. Oh, for sure. Oh, I said if if either of us had the time, you and I could do an entire podcast going episode through ep- by episode uh, oh, man. through the series. Oh, man, I'll have to get with you off the air about that because we're running short on time tonight. But uh, White Christmas is my number three. What is your number two, my friend? Um, well, I, you know, George Rivera in the chat says that 
uh, his favorite is uh, the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol. And I, that, that one is actually my dad's favorite. That's a great, great version of A Christmas Carol. I already mentioned A Christmas Carol once before, obviously, just the, uh, the Disney Mickey version during the TV specials. Um, but another version of A Christmas Carol that I mentioned during my song portion of the show is going to come here in at number two for me, and that is uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, I, I, I awesome. love the Muppets and the Christmas Carol version. Um, it, it just always appealed to me. Uh, this one has a lot of nostalgia and sentimentality for me because I we used to watch it, uh, me and all my cousins, on Christmas afternoon after having lunch at my grandparents' house. We would all sit there. We'd crack open the large VHS clamshell that it was in, and we'd throw it in the VCR. <laughs> and uh, we would all sit That's there for a... That's a great way uh... to put it because you had to pinch it on the side to get it to open. Oh yeah, and uh, oh. you know, as the years progressed, and obviously we moved to DVDs, and then um, age took a toll on people as well. We didn't need to, the VHS anymore, and I have that copy here with me in 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 my house now. So I uh, obviously it'll never be used again, but it's one of those things I want to hold on to and cherish oh, because yeah. uh, of the memories. So you know, it's uh, the the movie came out in 1992, and it's a musical like a lot of the Muppet stuff. Do- uh, is done as um, and has obviously your your basic list of all the Muppets uh, voiced by all those great performers, including Frank Oz, uh, and has Michael Caine as Scrooge, and I love seeing Michael Caine as Scrooge, and um, you know I, just this adaptation of Charles Dickens' uh, novella is just I think really 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 fun, and um, I also really enjoy the soundtrack that came with it. Obviously, since I had one of the songs from it in my top five Christmas songs list or holiday songs list but there were a couple others that i considered as well and it's just done with that muppet flair that's uh hard to compare and just uh one that i i must watch this film every year during the holidays oh man oh <laughs> i i really do enjoy that and, I, and i'm looking at all the different versions of a christmas carol that we've got and i i can't i can't pick you know I, I really, really can't decide. Did you know that there's a version from the 1940s that was narrated by Vincent Price? Wow. No. You just I, talked about him, didn't you, on a past episode? Uh, I talked about Vincent Price previously before, yes. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was an amazing, amazing actor. It doesn't surprise me that that he was in this, but I mean, I'm looking at all of this. The Muppet Christmas Carol is one of the first ones that pops up when I'm talk when I just did a Google search for Ebenezer Scrooge. But I mean, you've got, who, who is this? You've got, you've got Bill Murray's Scrooge. Obviously you've got Albert Finney and Scrooge, the musical from 1970. You got the George C. Scott, 1984 version. You've got the animated 2009. And then there's a 1999 version where Sir Patrick Stewart plays Ebenezer Scrooge. I think there might be one where Kelsey Grammer plays Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, let me see. That might be the 2004. Possibly. Possibly. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Yep. Kelsey Grammer. Wow. Okay. So we're going to have to come up with like an episode where we find like our top five favorite Ebenezer Scrooges or something. Because <laughs> that is an all-star cast if you're picking out all of those different those different characters. That's wow. That is very hard to choose. But man, I love the Muppets. Again, uh, I grew up on on Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, what was it? The the Muppets Take Manhattan, the yep. the Muppet movie, 
the uh, great Muppet Caper. The great Muppet Caper, and then there was the the one where Gonzo discovers his family. The is that Muppets in space? Muppets from space. Yes, that one was kind of weird, but uh, in a lovable kind of way, just like anything else from the Muppets. So I mean, that's that's a that's a nostalgia trip as well for me. Um, I'm gonna be going a little bit further back. Uh, we went as far back as 1954 with White Christmas. Now we're going to take it all the way back to 1947. My number two is Miracle on 34th Street. Ah, uh, yes. The, Very oh, good. The original one with Edmund Gwynn, Maureen O'Hara, and Natalie Wood. I, I, I love, I love, I love, I love the idea of putting Santa Claus on trial. And... George Bailey, not George Bailey. That's from It's a Wonderful Life. What is his yes. name? What's his name? Uh, Mr. Daly. Mr. Daly. Yes. Uh, I got Bailey and Daly mixed up. It's a it's a small slip of the tongue. Come on. Mr. Daly proves that Chris Kringle is the one and only Santa Claus. I love that. I absolutely love the phrasing of the judge at the end of the movie where he says, since the United States government, a.k.a. the Postal Service, believes this man to be the one and only Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. I never forget that line. I don't remember everything else about the film. I watch it, like, every year if I can. But he, uh, uh, Chris Kringle singing the song with the little Dutch girl... And then the concept of, of believing even though you don't always see, which is something both of the, the leading ladies struggle with in the film, and then putting Santa Claus on trial and proving him to be the one and only Saint Nick. Just so many elements that give such a joyous, uh, jolly time that I, I always, always, always enjoy watching that movie, and I feel more in the holiday mood coming away from it than I did going in. Yeah, well, it's a great choice, and I, I need to see the original again. It's been a while since I've seen it. I've been mostly seeing reruns of the 1994 remake, which, uh, you know, Which is remakes, a good one. Which, it, it, I mean, anytime John Hammond is playing Santa Claus, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Attenborough, you know. Exactly. Uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, so, I, but, I don't yeah, have, I do, I, don't I gotta see qualms. the original. I don't have any, any qualms with Richard Attenborough playing Santa Claus. And they put an interesting twist on it where... Uh, he he signed with a deaf girl instead of singing with a de- with a Dutch girl. So they put a little modern twist on it, which I thought was cool. Uh, yep. it's just, there's something about the 47 film that I I just always always enjoy. Yeah, anytime you can get those originals, especially ones that was made you know 70 years ago, uh, you get you gotta you gotta give that a chance. And I, I got to see that one again. It's been a while. It has it has stood the test of time pretty well. The clothes are a little outdated, but the concepts are still there. Uh, it opens on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and that's still going on. So yeah. there's a, there's still a lot of similarities and a lot of things that you can draw from in that movie, and that's one of the reasons I love it. The uh, the remake actually was produced by John Hughes. <laughs> oh, of all things. So another another huge connection. Just just keeps popping up that one, doesn't he? Yeah, well, good filmmakers and and Hollywood types tend to do that. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. So does does your number one classify as as a as a great piece of Hollywood, or is it uh, a little more well, far fetched? 
I mean, it, it does to me, although I was surprised a few years ago when I learned of its Rotten Tomatoes ranking and some of the uh, critics' response to it. Um, and if you remember back to my holiday traditions or top Christmas songs, I don't think it will come as a surprise what my number one is because I had a song and the tradition revolving around it, and that is 2004's The Polar Express. It's a good one. That's a yeah. good one, but it doesn't and, surprise me that the that the that the Rotten Tomato score is a little bit off because I don't think people were prepared for the animation style when it premiered. Right, and that is always the hang-up that people mention: is it hangs out in the uncanny valley, and some people just can't get over it. I I, yeah. I have no problem with it. It doesn't it doesn't bother me at all when I'm watching it. Um, and it just has such close ties to my Christmas traditions and I, I love the music and I mean, it features Tom Hanks in like six roles. So how can you right? go along with Tom, Tom Hanks in that many roles? Um, you know, so it's, I, it's hard to believe that it's been out for 14 years now, but, uh, it, it's, it is, uh, definitely my top Christmas movie. I have to watch it multiple times each year. Um, and, it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, you know, who we know from Back to the Future right. and a bunch of other uh, um, Tom Hanks movies like Forrest Gump and Castaway. Um, and one, one thing that I always am reminded because it appears at the end of the film is that it was the final performance by Michael Jeter, um, who I don't maybe a lot of people don't know who he was but he was in uh air bud and he became uh probably most well known for the green mile uh which is an incredible incredible movie but he was also in jurassic park 3 he was yeah he was he was one of the contractors in jurassic park 3 and then one of his lesser known roles the only reason i know this is because i watched him play this role while my sister was babysitting and stuff like that um do you remember the segment Elmo's World on Sesame Street? I, I it's in my notes right here is the next thing that I was gonna say. So Mr. Yep. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. Yep, yep. My uh, my daughters would watch that. They would focus on the Elmo's part of that. So when Mr. Noodle would come up, I'd always wonder if it was Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle, because uh, I always recognized Michael Jeter right away. So yep. uh, yeah, this is the the last thing that Michael Jeter did was uh, motion capture for uh, Smokey and Steamer, the brother train engineers. Um, he he did the motion capture for that, and it was the last thing he did before he uh, passed away. Wow. Uh, yeah, and they they have a tribute to him at the end of the film. So really, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it says I think it says in in memory of Michael Jeter or some some something like that. Um, oh, right near wow. the end of the film. Yeah. Um, but back to a little bit more uh, cheery parts of the Polar Express. Right? We get a brilliant random animated appearance and song by Elf Steven Tyler. So, you know, you got that to hang your uh, Santa hat on. Oh, um, man, the elves. And, yeah, they're, they're crazy. Oh, um, and the elves. That's the, the stuff um, of nightmares. So <laughs> besides um, Believe by Josh Groban, I, I, I like the score. The music composed for the music I think is really, or for the movie, I think is really strong. And that shouldn't be a surprise because it's Alan Silvestri who has done a wonderful work uh, on Back to the Future um, and as well as uh, a lot of the recent Marvel movies, Captain America, uh, most of the Avengers series, including the upcoming Avengers four is all Alan Silvestri. So, uh, he, uh, he does a lot of work with, uh, Robert Zemeckis and, uh, Polar Express was my first 
IMAX 3D film, so I'll always remember that. Um, and like I said, it's been a keystone of my family's Christmas traditions. We always watch it the night we put it up, put up the tree. So, yeah, Polar Express is my number one. It's a good choice, man. It's a, it's a good choice. It's one that my family watches regularly, and I will admit the the animation style was a reason why it didn't make it into my five because it is rather jarring. But I do love Tom Hanks, and I do love the soundtrack. Absolutely. Um, another element that I love was I saw it in a in a dome IMAX at one point during a re air, like you see at the planetarium or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. it is absolutely worth seeing in the dome IMAX. The scene where you're riding down the the steepest incline in the world, the roller coaster feel of the train tracks. Watching that in, I don't know if you would call it 3D, 4D IMAX. I don't know what you call that type of a screen, but watching it in that presentation style was fantastic i i did really really enjoy that so there are a lot of really good elements about it and it and it's about it's about believing even when it's hard to believe and that that's something that uh resonates with the holiday spirit and just uh with with belief in general so it's it's got a great story to it for sure um so my number one uh i'm just gonna I'm just going to introduce it like this. We shared a bowl of sugar with some shots of brown liquor. Play with my shotguns. Field dressed a cat. Look for women. I read him a book. What book? What book? <laughs> uh, Hollywood Wives. The night before Christmas, folks. Come on! I adore the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. I with an abs- E. The Santa Claus with an E. It, Judge Reinhold plays like a perfect counterbalance to to uh, Tim Allen's sarcasm. I, I love the, the, it, the interactions between him and Neil. I love the scene at Denny's. Um, every time I have eggnog, I have to call it a uh, traditional seasonal favorite or whatever it is that he calls it. I, I always like intro eggnog like that. Um <laughs> I, I I love the the sequences at the North Pole, watching all of the 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 children uh, children aged elves, and and he says, "What if I choose not to believe in this?" And everybody goes quiet. You're just like, do you realize what you just said? Do you realize how monumental a statement you just made? So it gets serious, and and it gets into like family values and and taking care of your kids and stuff like that but then at the same time it's also rather funny and whimsical like when he goes out there for the first night and he he's standing over a giant pipe with with the bag and he's like there's no chimney all right no chimney and then they see that they're going to try and send him down the pipe and he's like you have got to be kidding me so, I mean, there's just, there's so many great sequences about it. And the other thing that's really funny is that it has kind of stood the test of time. Have you watched any of the TV series Last Man Standing? I've seen the entire original run. I haven't caught any of the uh, um, move to Fox. Uh, so, like, you can watch the first episode of Move to Fox because they made a whole bunch of jabs at ABC. But then after that, it's just kind of meh. But... There, there's one episode where, um, who, who's the, who's the boss? Ed Alzate. He's dressed yes. up as Santa Claus, and he says, "Hey, Mikey, one year you should do this." And he's like, "Ha ha, 
Can you picture me in a Santa Claus suit? Come on. They also make fun of the sequels in in the one episode in, uh, oh, yeah. in the, the original run. It's one the one with um, Jay Leno. He's over at this garage, and he, he's like, "That's as crazy as making more than one Santa Claus movie or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, he was not too thrilled about those movies either. I, I mean, you can watch them once just to say that you've seen it, but after that, it just just don't. Just don't waste your time. They're, they're just not They're not as funny. It's not that same lightning-in-a-bottle type feel. There's a lot more animation and a lot less whimsy, if, I, if, if, that's, a, if that's a good way to put it. It's just it's not as good. I didn't like it as much, but I do love the original Santa Claus. I always watch it every year. Uh, I try and watch every one of these movies at least once, but Santa Claus and Elf are the two that I have to watch multiple times every year. And uh, I haven't done that yet, so I need to get on that. But I uh, I will always, always love the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah, excellent pick since it was on my list too. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, Did we did we already give... Uh, our reference out to our friend George in the chat. He said his favorite was the Christmas Carol with uh, George C. Scott. I believe we did that during our Christmas Carol discussion, right? Yep. Just a, just another thank you to George for participating with us in the chat. Um, we don't get a whole lot of live listeners anymore, but if you want to listen live, we're on every Friday into Saturday sometimes, right here on Channel 1138. Um our, for, unfortunately for our live listeners, you might not get to hear the quote of the night, which is actually a pretty funny one. Uh, we talked a lot about Christmas movies and, and a lot about Christmas music, but what about Hanukkah movies or Hanukkah music? Well, you're going to get to have a listen to that if you're listening on iTunes or Google Play or Podbean or anything else that you're listening to. Uh, so please, without further ado, I'm just going to slide right into this here and bring in tonight's quote of the night. Tonight is the seventh night of Hanukkah, and here to sing a Hanukkah song is Adam Sandler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, well, uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, th- th- this time of year always, always made me feel a little left out because. Uh, uh, in school, there were so many Christmas songs, and all us Jewish kids had was the song Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel. And uh, so uh, I wrote a brand new Hanukkah song for you Jewish kids to sing, and I hope you like it. <clears throat> Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. (laughs) But when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. (laughs) David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do Kirk Douglas, James Kahn, and the late Dinah Shura. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. Paul Newman's half Jewish and Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together, what a fine looking Jew. <laughs> you, you 
because you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, the owner of the Seattle Supersonica, celebrate Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He, he converted. <clears throat> we got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so many Jews are in showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I think his agent is. <laughs> Tell your friend Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. I hope I get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica, but don't smoke marijuana. If you really, really want to have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Thank you. So Adam Sandler performed that on Saturday Night Live a few years back just to give some further representation of uh, of other holidays out there. And we talked a lot about different Christmas movies, but technically this is a holiday special, so I thought it'd be nice to uh, to give a shout-out to Hanukkah where we could. Uh, speaking of shout-outs, uh, a special thank you and shout-out to Joey Mays, one of our patrons, for joining us on this episode tonight. It's always a pleasure having you, dude, and we appreciate your support even when you're not on the episodes with us uh the stuff that you do with us and alongside with us is uh, is always very appreciated thank you well thank you for having me on like, i was looking forward to the show and it did not disappoint oh man some really really great discussions and uh, a special thank you to our other patrons who uh maybe could not make it tonight we invited a few but you know scheduling and spontaneity kind of get the best of us sometimes but uh, a thank you to our other patrons Katie Horn, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry Dan Grievous and Parker Ott you guys help us uh, be able to do what we do and we could not do what we do without your support so if you want to become a patron you can go find all the information for that at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. If you want to just listen to previous episodes that we got, you can find that at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. But as I mentioned, we're also on iTunes and on Google Play, and we have certain episodes on starwarsunderworld.com because they are a proud partner of the IPC podcast. You can find the IPC podcast on social media at IPC podcast, and you can find Ben Hart with no E, as opposed to the Santa Claus with an E, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Zach Z A C underscore D F W. Joe, where can the folks at home keep up with you if they want to uh, listen to other productions you've got or just find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My uh, handle is at J M Flyer one four five four. Uh, you can also check out uh, my website, jmnjrradio.com, and that is the home to all of the uh, podcast-type stuff that I do, mostly sports-related, which, uh, Zach, we got to get you on the show sometime to talk a little uh, little baseball, football, you know, whatever you're into. 
Uh, dude, I'm into it all. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to probably be providing some hot takes uh, from the sports world on, uh, on commusings one of these days. So if you guys are interested in that, be sure to go give me a follow and let me know what you think of commusings, which is my new mini podcast about my musings while I commute. You mentioned it at the top of the show, just going to round it out with a little mention of that. But uh, yeah, lots of really cool things in the works for 2019. 2018 is almost over. We're going to take a couple of weeks off to celebrate Christmas and New Year's at the end of the year. So really, all we've got left this year is a uh, a second portion of the holiday special where we're going to hear from you, the listeners. You're going to send us your top fives of certain elements related to the holidays, and we're going to talk about those on the show. And we're going to give a review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. That's about all that we're going to have for the remainder of 2018. 2018 is almost over and so is this podcast episode, but it's not over yet. I had almost forgotten one thing before I looked at the show notes and realized I almost glossed over one of the most important elements of this entire podcast. Shame on me. Ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags and put them on all those social media platforms because we do check it. Put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, everything else in between. If you're listening live in the chat, go ahead and start putting it in on channel1138.com. But ladies and gentlemen, it is time, one more time, for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Barbecue! 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 All right, so for tonight, it's going to be pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Uh, Joey, in the case of food during the holiday season, do you have a particular type of food that you prefer to have during the Christmas slash holidays? You can include New Year's if you wanted to. Maybe something that you have on New Year's that you don't have any other time. Uh, well, if you're including New Year's, that opens things up a bit because my family does do, obviously, turkey on Thanksgiving. We also do turkey on Christmas. Um, my mom does do a really nice uh, honey-baked ham, which I enjoy, uh, and that, that gets me close to uh, as close to a barbecue as I'm probably going to get um, is probably the ham. But up here in Pennsylvania, especially in the area that I live, South Central, Southeastern Pennsylvania, we're closely associated with, associated with Pennsylvania Dutch traditions. Uh, so we go get a lot of our heritage from Germany, and the big thing on New Year's Day is actually pork and sauerkraut, which is really? delicious. Oh yeah, pork, sauerkraut, mashed potatoes, delicious. That is a New Year's Eve, or excuse me, New Year's Day staple. You know, you wake up uh, late in the mid-morning after being up so late, and hopefully someone has rem- rem- remembered to uh, put some pork and sauerkraut in a crock pot or something and you can just get the pork that falls apart and perfectly cooked sauerkraut throw on some mashed potatoes and you got quite a uh, a lunch in uh in southeastern pennsylvania uh and you can watch the philadelphia mummers parade while you eat your pork and sauerkraut that's how we do it in southeastern pa that actually does sound really good not gonna lie uh i'm not usually a fan of sauerkraut but in this particular case, in this particular context, I might make an exception. 
Yeah, it, it's it's really good. I, I do enjoy sauerkraut, but when you do the combination of the pork sauerkraut and mashed potatoes, it's just it's delicious. It, it really is. And obviously, I grew up with it, so I'm used to it, but uh, it's it's tough to pass up. My wife doesn't uh, eat the sauerkraut, but she likes the pork being cooked with the sauerkraut. It just adds an, an inter- interesting flavor to the pork. That's awesome, man. That that does sound really, really good. And here's here's what really bugs me is um you your your family also has your own sandwich shop. Correct. And I see you post about May's sandwich shop all the time. <laughs> and I sit there going, I want one of those. <laughs> But I also know that he tried to send one to Texas. It's not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime you have to mail food, it doesn't It doesn't go, go well. Well, yeah. Because even like you can do the, you know, the uh, the, the ice stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's not as good as making it fresh and having someone make it for you. I can send you the ingredients, but it's not going to be as fresh as it needs to be. And you have to put it together. And that's, you know, that's part of the fun is having someone else make it for you, especially a family that's been doing it for uh, closing in on uh, getting close to 75 years now. Dang, man. 75 years of sandwiches and I haven't even had one. I'm going to have to make my way out to Pennsylvania sometime because you live out there and our friend Jake Damon lives out there. And uh, another one of our friends, Eric Wall, lives up, lives out that direction as well. And I've just been meaning to see PA anyways. So maybe this gives me a reason to travel that far out east. Who knows? Well, yeah, well, please do. And if you do, uh, definitely let me know. Uh, send me a message so we can uh, – I would love to meet up. Uh, our friend George in the chat says tamales and empanadas at Christmas. Ooh, that and sounds menudo. delicious. Menudo on New Year's Day when I lived in Colorado. So I haven't had menudo, but I've definitely had tamales and empanadas. That is a Christmas staple at my family's house. Uh, tamales especially so. Um, we do have ham sometimes, but usually it's the grandparents that provide it. We I, I, here, here's the deal. My mom grew up in South Texas. She she lived like an hour away from the Mexican border. Okay. So she's been brought up on Hispanic culture, and she speaks the language fluently. She teaches it. Um, she's, she's about to become published in certain academic circles, which is really cool. And I've just been brought up on the Hispanic culture as well. I love Mexican food. So if we can have, uh, if we can have tamales, if we can have gazpacho, if we can have uh, empanadas, if we can have – what's the other one that we usually get um, – we put mole on our enchiladas. Oh, man. I, I could have a Mexican feast for Christmas, and I would be totally fine. But uh, even as it is, getting getting tamales is definitely a staple during the holiday season. And then we have black-eyed peas, actually, on New Year's. So I don't know why, but apparently they're supposed to be good luck. But I, usually that's about the only time out of the year when I ever have black-eyed peas. So... Not exactly, not exactly barbecue related or barbecue themed. I think I would like to have maybe some some brisket diced up and put in there with the black eyed peas. But there's some people in my family that are vegetarians, and so we can't do that for them. Whatever. But it's all in good fun. It's it's all a really really good time, and and the food along with the music, the decorations, everything else that we've talked about, just really helps enhance the holiday experience and so joey i'm glad that we got to 
talk about that for a couple of hours. I know we ran a little bit later than your schedule said, but thank you for getting it out and, and having just a, a jolly, happy holiday time with us here on IPC. We appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I look forward to, uh, you know, Crimes of Grindelwald discussion uh, in next week and, uh, you know, whatever holiday follow-up you do uh, the week after that. It's uh, it's always a highlight of my week getting to listen to uh, you and Ben and whatever uh, whatever guests you may have show up. It's always a fun time on IPC, and we're going to be having a lot of fun closing out the year and kicking off the new year. We have about half of 2019 completely scheduled already, and uh, we're working on more. So be sure to stay in the loop for all of that. We may talk a little bit more about that once the new year kicks in. But for now, I think we're going to call it a night. Episode 216 is now officially in the books for Joey Mays and the dearly departed Ben Hart. That's weird. I make it sound like he's dead. But (laughs) for everybody that's been involved in this particular episode, thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. The path to evil may bring great power but not loyalty. We hope that all you loyal listeners will tune in next time on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.